Welcome back to another Department of Conversation. Uh, AB's watching the AB's. Very, 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 very privileged to have a current all black in with us tonight. Uh, it's Josh Iwani. Now, Josh is currently playing for the uh, Mitre 10 Cup Otago team. He's also got a Ranfurly Shield game this weekend. So, um, you know, he had sort of every right and every reason to not come along at all. Uh, but he said that he'd come along and he'd spend the first half with us. So we had Josh Juani in with us for the first half, which was amazing. And also Paul Cully, who is a reporter with stuff.co.nz, uh, focusing on rugby. So uh, it's a couple of hours, this podcast. It's during the Rugby World Cup game, New Zealand versus Canada. It is uh, Paul Cully from stuff.co.nz and All Black Josh Juani. Uh, talking all things that matter around rugby, the life, universe, everything else. There you go. Hello, good evening, New Zealand and the world. Welcome to my radio voice. Uh, welcome along to the second uh, ABs, watching the ABs here in the Department of Conversation. Josh Shuani with us uh, tonight. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. And Paul Cuddy from stuff.co.nz, thank you as well. How you going? Yeah, so a lot of fun. Now, Josh, thank you so much for coming in. Now, for people who aren't aware, you're still currently playing with Otago. Big game this weekend. So you're going to give us a little bit of time and then you're going to shoot off for early training tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Got yeah, game and that's, this weekend and preparations and tomorrow, so... First half, um, half time might look to. Yep, dude. Look, the um, the last thing I would want is for uh, um, a news item to come out going. You know, Josh Juani offers game this weekend, <laughs> big night win. So please, as a, as an Otago fan as well, we want you there. We want you going. And so the game is kicking off. If you are uh, joining us along the podcast, you can uh, see us and get our thoughts and views and opinions and whatever else you want on uh, Facebook, on YouTube. We going to Twitch tonight. I'm assuming. Yep, going to Twitch tonight as well. And uh, we're just going to hang out for the first half, cheer what's going on, and then Paul, me and you probably stay here for the second half till the end of the game yep. to watch us break the 100. Yeah, it sounds good. I think it's going to be 70 points to six tonight. 70 points to six. Yeah, yeah. Do you go, okay, you are a current All Black. You played what? Was it three weeks ago against Tonga? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, roughly, about then? Roughly. Buzz? Yeah. Buzz of the buzz of your life? Yes. Um, yeah? Yeah. I think it, it's more. When you're in the moment, you don't really realise until you're away from the team and yeah. how much it actually, um, yeah. So was it was it kind of um, looking back on it, was it more like, holy crap, what did I just do? Or was it beforehand going, holy shit, what am I about to do? Which was bigger? Yeah, oh, maybe, nah, beforehand. So when I was right. first named, obviously, that yeah. was a huge moment for me. And then um, going into camp and doing that stuff was really good. And then, oh, But I don't think I appreciated it until I was actually away from it. Then right. I actually realised how... Um, yeah. So if people are tuning in with us, because obviously everyone watches different signals and it's all synced up, we're seconds away from kickoff. So if you want to watch along with us, uh, kick it, kickoff looks like it's happening in probably the next 15 seconds. So we got a, um, we, I guess you'll be the perfect person to ask this, Josh, um, the Bowden Barrett to fullback and the Richie Mwanga to first five, that's carrying on through. I'm assuming that Hanson wants to to absolutely nail that group down before the semis and the quarters. That's why even in these easier games they're playing. And that's kickoff, just so you know timing. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think um, um, they've been saying we haven't seen the finished result. And I think um, in these games, it's a perfect opportunity for the boys to keep growing. And they're doing really well, so I'm excited to see see how they go. Yeah, and um, how would they be treating this game? I mean, you were in the in the uh, changing rooms a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, What would they be thinking about at the start of this game? What would be the words in the shed? I know uh, the boys, they have 
high standards, uh, no matter who they're playing, and I know they'll come into this game with. Um, oh. Yeah, you can tell straight away. You know the the intent there, the physicality. You know the way they're moving the ball, the way they're carrying. You know, there's a lot of intent there. I just, I just, I can see that um, they've come with the right mindset that they um, they want to play on a pull trigger. It's interesting to see who, like TJ starting Perinara. Yeah, you can see it looks like that they who they are still trying to like allow to get right, like the first five fullback combination. But obviously, Aaron Smith number one halfback, so TJ can come in. Uh, the places that are also sort of pre-selected. Would that be fair, Paul, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, looking at the team tonight, I'm probably looking at two players that, that maybe can push on. We're talking about the quarters. Uh, that would be Jack Gucci and also Rico as well. Um, rest of the team, I think, they're there. Obviously, keep them sharp and the rest. But in terms of the, the top, the first 15, the guys that can crack the team for the quarters, uh, I think that man there, Jack Gidjou, yep. and uh, and Rico, this is their big opportunity uh, tonight. Now, was Jack did Jack Goodhue get injured in one of the games, and did he, or was he not selected in the last few? He was. He got injured against um, the Wallabies in, in Perth. Did a hamstring got cleaned That's out right. awkwardly, and um, I think they've been pretty careful about bringing them back because obviously uh, that sort of injury you need to be explosive. To me, he's still the best centre in New Zealand. And the question that they have to answer is, what are they going to do with Anton Leonard Brown, who is the informed centre in New yeah. Zealand? Uh, do they pair those two guys together, even though they're quite young? Potentially, I'd like to see it. It's very exciting. Um, but yeah, I think Goodhue's probably still very close to their, to their thoughts. Do you think he is the, if everyone's 100% fit and 100% in form, let's put it that way, is good you the starter in the final? Yeah, assuming we get. It's hard to say this in front of a, a guy who potentially could be there. I mean, most people would say if there's an injury, you know, but you know what I'm saying. But you know, if he was 100% fit, would he be the, the guy, the boy? I think he is. I think he's the best uh, distributor as a centre in, in New Zealand. Um, I'd love to be a winger playing outside him, especially in the right wing because he's, he's a left-sided player. And that means he distributes beautifully off his left hand. And, you know, I, I just think Goodhue's form the last two, two, three years has been exceptional. And he's a big fella as well. He's deceptively big. He's, you know, he's strong, carries well. And he's, he defends superbly too. He's got it everything, really. Josh, would you, you play it against him as well. I mean, what's he like to play against in Super Rugby? Yeah, awesome skills. Um, physically really sound. Defence and tech and... Um, I think it's a really uh, good competition that they've got there. Um, I think they've both talked about um, how it's been really helpful and really driven them throughout the Super season and leading into the All Blacks. That's, that's one of the things I noticed from outside, looking at the All Blacks and that midfield unit. They all seem to be really tight. I mean, obviously they all want to play, um, but they all seem to be good mates and pushing each other in the right way. Mm. Is that something you find when you went to the camp as yeah, well? Yeah, I think I definitely, I definitely saw that. Um, Healthy competition. I, th- I felt like that's that was the the vibe, and um, they were all happy to see each other do well. Um, but also that that slight edge to it at the same time, we're pushing each other to be better than the, the other. So I think it was I think it was good. You have to be competitive, though, don't you? I mean, you don't get to that level, and yes, mm. you've got that competitive edge. So mm. I'm sure that's replicated throughout all the many units at ten as well and fifteen. Mm. I'm sure you know Richie and, and Bowden, although they're playing together. You know, they're still pushing each other as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you see that all over the All Blacks and mm-hmm. that ability to put the team first. Um, it's, it's so important because 
everybody wants to play and everybody wants to play a big role. And if you don't get that right on a, on a long World Cup campaign, it, has, it can cause problems, but I think they've got that right. This must be a horrific thing for any team to look at, but five metres out, All Blacks rum, the back line split even side. Oh, oh, not quite. Oh, there we go. Yep. Penalty or try? Try. Must be. Mm. That's surely, surely from a from an opposition point of view, that must be a terrifying thing to look at. Right there, smack dab in the middle. I think, oh. I, I think it's interesting what they did there. I mean, the options left and right. And they've obviously went for the pushover scrum. That's probably one of the little things that the coaches are looking for in the game. Um, games like this can be hard to analyse because you don't, we don't know what they're looking for. But looking at that, uh, that's a great opportunity to attack either way. But they've backed their big boys there, and I think they'd be happy with that result. Yeah. Um, that must have been, was that a penalty try? Yeah. We're not getting that yeah, penalty try. So that's a just straight yeah. seven these days. They don't kick anymore, do they? They go Sonny Bull straight up the middle. Sonny Bull Williams, freak of nature. Oh yes. Yeah. Athlete. Yeah. Massive. Can do anything. Strong. As a young fella coming on board, who are the guys in the team that you kinda um I don't know, look up to? Is that the right words to use yeah. for, for teammates? But certainly, you know, get alongside and get alongside you. Yeah, I guess um so growing up for me I was I started off in league. So I, I definitely saw a lot of Sunnyville um, coming through, through his younger days yep. playing. And so I think um, what I like about him was his mindset and his um, attitude towards the game. Yep. Real professional. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I admire that. I'm just going to check with Tom here. Tom, how's our, how's our, how's our broadcast going? You see where audio is a smidge out of sync? Okay. We might have to restart the uh, the thing at some stage, but if we do do that, that takes 10 seconds and we, we basically drop out and we kick back in again. If you are watching us or joining us uh, on Facebook or YouTube, feel free to chuck some comments in there as well. We can um, add questions and comments along the way as we go. That's no problems at all. Um, Paul, you've been watching footy for a while. You're a fan of, of this young guy that we've got in here? Yeah, he goes all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought Josh should have been in the squad. Um, uh, we've, we've talked about the two playmaker thing and it just made sense to me to have your next next best guy uh, in the squad. I don't want to put Josh in an awkward situation here. Um, yeah. um, obviously, Jordy Barrett's gone there and we've seen Jordy's a great player, very versatile, playing right wing tonight. Um, but yeah, I just obviously number one thing Josh is good enough, and two, I thought it fits more with the philosophy in terms of if you're going to be playing two playmakers, then why don't take your your third best one with you? Yeah. I think Josh showed on, on on his debut that he was he belonged in that um, environment, fitted in very well. I was interested to see on his debut as well. Uh, Ryan Crotty come up and shook his hand afterwards and you know it was nice to see that older guy coming in and say you know just welcome to the club <laughs> but yeah I think Josh could easily play easily deserve to be there if gone with Jordy but that's that's footy isn't it Did you know the situation for the Tongan game because at the last Rugby World Cup they had Lima Sopoanga <laughs> uh, start in South Africa mm. and all of us were looking from the outside idiots that we are going oh he's off to the World Cup he's off to the World Cup and then they told us afterwards, you know, they just wanted to make sure he could perform if needed. Did you know before Tonga that was sort of a similar sort of plan? Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. I knew that. Um, I, I, I'd been called in, oh, sorry, I'd been called before uh, the naming and I was told that I wasn't being gone, I wasn't I wasn't going to be travelling. Yep. Uh, but Richie had a niggle and so they didn't want to um, use him against Tonga and then I'd get an opportunity and so 
I was grateful I was able to get an opportunity. I was happy. Um, yeah, I got to play and get my cap, and so yeah, I was just grateful. And yeah, um, because you were on the bench in Argentina, is that right? Yes, that's and you didn't correct. get on then. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> is that frustrating? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Yes yeah. and no. You know, like it was um, it was a big week um, for myself. Expecting to debut. There we go. Here's the second try. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, Joey yeah. Barrett's easiest try ever. Yeah, so yeah, over in RG, you know, it was a big week. I had a lot of people messaging me, and it was a lot of emotions for myself. And then uh, for it not to happen was, you know, it was a tough pill to swallow. But um, I mean, these things happened, and I was able to move on from that. Although, from the outside looking in, I'd be interested to get your take on this, Paul. From the outside looking in, an element of that to me kind of thinks, ah, they still value the jersey. You know, if there wasn't a reason to put you on. They did it, not just going, oh, he's here, let's give him the last five minutes and he'll get his cap. So yeah. that's kind of quite a nice thought as well. Mm. And you still got the cap, you still got the jersey that, you know. Yep. So it's quite nice to see that, that that might be a part of the process. Yeah, yeah. I think um, after my debut in um, Hamilton, Hanson stood up and said, you know, the jersey doesn't owe you anything. And that's something that Owen Franks was saying as well um, when he missed out. So I think um, they still have that attitude, you know, you gotta got to earn that, so... Uh, that just makes my debut more special. So tell me something, right? This is this is you in many a game. What are you thinking right now? What are you, uh, 26, 27 metres out on, on the angle, probably a 30, 35 metre kick? What, what's going through your mind? Yeah, I guess uh, there's a lot of thinking before the game of how I'm going to feel, you know, a lot of visualisation and um, thinking before the game. And so just getting to this moment, all I want to think about is just my process and uh, not try and drift away from that too much and just think about... Uh, my technique in striking the ball. There you go, straight down the middle. Yeah, that, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Who's the best kicker in the team? Like out of the whole squad, who's the best kicker? Oh, it's between Rich, I feel Richie. Richie's the best. Yeah, yeah. So the right man at the, for the right job. Yeah. You agree, Paul? Yeah, I, do. I agree. I, I think. I think Richie's not technically perfect, but I think he's mentally the strongest um, player in the squad. And if you look back to the Super Rugby uh, final series, I think he kicked 17 straight in the final series. That tells me that he wants the big kicks, and yeah. that's more important than than take technique sometimes. And he's a very strong kid. Mm. School predictions for you, Pete? Uh, I, I mean, they won't do 100, will they? I don't think they'll do 100. I mean, I wonder, I, I think 70 is probably a pretty good guess. I reckon you said what did you say? 70? Seventy-six, seventy-two six. Yeah, seventy-six. <laughs> um, no, they won't get six though because that'll imply two two penalties. No, these guys are never going for a penalty. <laughs> but so I'll say I'll say they'll get one try. So that but they'll miss the conversion. So, so Canada will get five. I'll say 80, 80 to five. Yeah, eighty to five will be mine. What about you? Yeah. Are you are you allowed to do that as an All Black? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think my, my, they might be a bit wrong. But. <laughs> it must be. It must be hard. Are we by, by the way? We're back in. We're back in. Okay, we're back in. It must be hard. Well, I, I should rephrase that. Is it hard? A game like this, or you know, I remember back in the day watching Auckland play. You know, mid Canterbury or something. Actually, treating them lot, not disrespectfully, but seriously. I mean, we can see that Japan can tip over in Ireland, kind of thing, mm. but. Yeah, how do you how do you take this as seriously as the quarterfinal, for example, as for, a player for this game? Yeah, um, when you're a massive favourite, like a massive, massive. So would, would the Tonga game be um, similar for you? 
yeah, in terms of fan favourites? Uh, yeah, totally. I think I think Tonga and, and Canada are probably... I think Tonga will probably be a bit more serious than Canada, actually. I think uh, during that week, I think I learned a lot about the mind, the mindset these boys take into the games. Right. I think um, Hanson drove the mindset that week that uh, around standards, around um, preparation, you know, and I think it was huge leading into the game. And I think it showed, you know, the amount of, amount of points the boys scored. And I think um, that came down to the mindset. And I can see the way the boys are playing. There's a lot of intent and, you know, Taking this game very seriously and then trying to get something, Oof. achieve something out of it. Josh, when you talk about uh, uh, the standards there, mm. and Hanson mentioned it, is there a, a group of leaders within the team that drive that as well? Some of the guys that have been there a bit longer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Kieran Reeds and uh, Dane Coles, you know, they're, they're big they're big on it and they, they live by it as well, and you can see it. It's. Um, it's evident when you're in camp. And Do they show it as well? Are they like your typical first on the training field, last off the training field kind of guys? Uh, yeah, and like, you know, a lot of questions, you know, a lot of detail, not just not just physically, but a lot of mental mental works put into their game. Yeah. I was going to ask you as well, I said this before the broadcast, um, the hucker at the start of the game, now that the All Blacks have two of them, How's that decision made? Who decides what it's going to be, Kappa or, 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 or Kamati? Yeah, I think uh, before the game, I think, or yeah, leading up into the, to the week, I think uh, Kieran Reid and um, TJ have a little chat and they, they talk about it because uh, for that Tong game, I, I actually didn't know Kappa or Ponga. <laughs> and I got to the captain's run where they practice it and I, was, I, I said to TJ, oh, what, what hook are we doing? And um, he said, and I asked him who decides, you know, and he, yeah, he said that they, they have a little chat, him and Rita have a little chat, and they, they decide. Oh, Sonny Bill, see that offload. I just, I don't understand, maybe as a journalist you can shed some light, Paul, but so, I don't understand with the Sonny Bill kind of, you know, you either love him or you hate him. He's a sublime athlete. You just see it. I don't know how people can dislike his play. Uh, yeah, he's a funny one, isn't he? He's just one of those players that's always split people. And I lived, oh. in, I lived in Australia for fourteen years, so I saw him his league career right. grow up, and it was the same there. And when I think probably the big event in his career, and he looked back on it, and he probably thinks he did the wrong, well, not the wrong thing, going to France, carried, yeah, carried yeah. it out in the wrong way, and, and people have got long memories, and that and that stuck with him. And I think that's a shame. I think he's clearly grown up. Um, as we all do, as you get older, and he's got kids now, and he, I think he's a he's a changed guy. He's a lot more mature, and um, I think the way he's conducted himself this year in particular has been superb. And yeah, and I I think he's probably won over a lot of people, but you'll never win over everybody, yeah, and that's just uh, the nature of people. He's short, no, he's short, no, no try, TJ. Don't think. What do you think? No try. Bit short. So if you're um. It's tough to talk about um, you getting called to Japan because if you were to get called to Japan, obviously it means someone's gone over and mm-hmm. nobody wants that for anyone. Mm-hmm. But equally, Correct. I'm sure you'd love to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, from a from a kind of teammate's point of view, who's the uh, who would be the best, who would be the worst roommate for you? Who do you want to be sleeping with and not sleeping with? Uh, who would I not want to be sleeping with? Hmm. Those big front row forwards would be tough, wouldn't they? Oh, there was one guy that was known for starting there. I forgot who that was. I'm, uh, I'm looking at Atu here. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think it might. I might have switched him up here, but I think yeah, I think Atu might be the culprit of that one. <laughs> do they do that as well? Do they? Do like the the management decide who's rooming up together if the, if that is still the way they do it? 
like they put yeah. a, they put someone like you who's new to the yeah. thing with a more senior player bring them along yeah. or do the guys just go mates we'll go together <laughs> uh, yeah I think it's uh, management have a little discussion and they talk about it um, my first weekend with in Argentina I was rooming with Bodie so oh. I was able to learn a lot of him oh that makes sense doesn't it so yeah. first fives together yeah. talking tactics yeah that's the one because he, I mean, how old's Bowden Barrett? He's late twenties, but twenty eight. Because he's still, I mean, you know, you look at you look at when people go to the Northern Hemisphere and play. He's still got ten years of professional rugby in him if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But you know, what is he? World World Player of the Year two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. It must be amazing to sit with someone at that level and just absorb. Yep, yep. And uh, real nice guy, real laid back. Yep. Um, you know, real down to earth guy, and yeah, I enjoyed enjoyed rooming with him. No snoring. No snoring. <laughs> Although I did get sick over there, and I had the cough, and um, was sleeping early in the morning, and I was trying not to cough. But <laughs> other than that, oh, wanted. It's really it's interesting to hear, and I and I guess I think about it from a business point of view or a work work point of view. I mean, this is this is a game, but it's also a profession. You know, it's it's your job, mm. and I think about Paul. Um, when I just said before about taking this kind of game seriously, like, yes, no matter what you do with a job, if you've got an easy day at work, quote-unquote easy day at work, the best kind of most professional performers in any of their jobs take all of those days as seriously as the hard days at work. I just don't think the All Blacks switch off, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why they've been at the top for so long. And i, I give you an example. Josh be able to help me out with this one. They went and played the... Um, the Highlanders went and played the... Booyah! Good try by Sunny Bill. Sunny Bill scores. The Highlanders went and played the Sunwolves in Tokyo this year, and were the game was over as a contest after about half an hour, but they didn't let the foot off the pedal for the mm. whole game. And I know when they came back, they were pretty proud of that performance. So you've got to understand that no matter who their teams are playing against, the coaches and the players will want to see something out of the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the way they look at it. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't really matter about the scoreline, but they'll have set things that they want to achieve out of this game, and they'll want to see certain things from individuals out of this game. So they'll mark this game as hard as they mark the Springboks game. Mm. So they just never let up. And uh, Josh mentioned about standards. That's standards right there. Mm. I think also uh, level of competition in this team. Uh, like I was thinking picking the starting fifteen for the finals is. Hard enough, so I think a lot of boys are trying to put their hand up and um, put on a good performance. So they'll be looking to do that. Yeah, I was just thinking as you, were, as, as Paul was talking, you know, mm. if if the culture of the team is go hard for eighty, if someone tails off after sixty or fifty, and there's someone else in the wings who's happy to go hard for eighty, you don't want to lose your spot, do you? Exactly, exactly. Do you remember? So, so you've been how many years with the Highlanders? Uh, two. two. Two and under Lima for the first one. Yeah, was he still here? Yeah. So this is your first year, kind of starting first five. Yeah. So running the show. I did injury replacement. I did injury replacement in uh, before my first year signed mm-hmm. the whole year. So yep. and I was I learned off Lima and uh, Banksy then, and then I came in as my first year signed and did the year with Lima and then yeah obviously he left. Do you are you still new enough into the professional game that things happen and you kind of go, geez, this is pretty choice. Like things that, that excite you, and like I can imagine, like signing your first contract or running yeah. on in your first game, or those yeah. things will be big. You yeah. still are you still young, young enough in the game yeah. to still be kind of wide eyed at times? Yeah, I think I'm really young in the game. I mean, <laughs> uh, coming this into this year was my first year wearing the team jersey for the right. Honda, so I think um, yeah, there's still a lot. Um, 
a lot for me to experience and learn. So I'm looking forward to it. Do you ever um, get to connect with like, you know, I think of the Grant Foxes of the world, the mm. people who were, you know, the legendary first fives and mm. playmakers of the last thirty or forty years. Mm. Does that ever happen in the in the kind of culture? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, um, what should I say, old boys. Well, I guess Foxy's <laughs> a, a selector, isn't he? So he yeah, makes sense. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, lot, a lot of old boys. It's interesting. After um, the game in Hamilton, I was actually had uh, Rico Gear come up to me and talk to me, and I was. Rico, really? Yeah, still sharp. looking as shiny as ever? Yeah, still looking sharp, still looking <laughs> sharp. And actually my uh, girlfriend was with me and um, she, um, she started talking to him and then he walked away and I said to her, oh, do, you, do you know who that is? She was like, no, nah, I don't know. Who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's disrespectful. <laughs> are, you a, are you a fan of rugby? Like like you're a young man. Yeah. Um, like the, when I was here with Case last time, we talked about rugby from the 70s and 80s. It was easy yeah, yeah. because that was sort of, we were around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you a fan of rugby? Are you a historian of rugby to some degree? Do you know and understand and remember and know of the stories of the legendary players sort of thing? Yeah. Yes and no. Yes and no. Growing up, like I said before, I was a uh, big league, big mm. Warriors fan, you know, growing up. And then... Uh, it wasn't until I got to high school that I started um, really getting into rugby, and um, probably since around then I, I know a little bit around that. But before that, when I was younger, yeah, there was a lot of um, Warriors games and on my weekends, you know, going to watch those. And stuff. Where did you go to high school? Uh, Kings College in Auckland. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, so from Auckland originally. So yeah. Warriors were actually from Kings. Warriors on the back on the back doorstep almost, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. In the same ground. So attended the games, followed the players. Yeah, a lot, a lot of that. I was a huge fan. Was there ever any interest from Warriors or league clubs sniffing around? When you uh, there was a lot, there was a bit of interest, but nothing that was ever uh, confirmed or nothing sound. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I was interested in a little bit of league coming through. So do you? I mean, you're obviously on a contract for New Zealand rugby. Yeah. But have you got? I'm assuming you've got. Have you got an agent yet, or are you? Yeah. you so you've got all that already yeah. sorted. Sorry, I don't mean to. That's no, not a patronising question. You just wonder when that happens in the process. Yeah. Do they still approach? Are there offers coming through? If people know you're an ex-leaguey, surely mm. they go. I mean, I think about people like Daryl Halligan and um, ah, fullback for the All Blacks. What's his name? Mark. Mark Ellis's mate. Um, no. Just jumped out of my head. Ex-rugby oh. players. Ridge, Matthew Ridge. Ridge, yeah, yeah. You know, with the yeah. legendary kickers yeah. and brought a whole new element to rugby league. Yeah. Someone like yourself must be an, an attractive prospect to the league world. I do, I not, do. Not to try and sell you off, yeah. you know, yeah. you know if Hanson's listening, he's not. But nah, yeah. I do I do like to watch the little bit of league, you know, some, is the grand final or something? I think so. I believe yeah. that the, the green machine Raiders. got through. Yeah. Only yeah, because a friend of mine who's a supporter was all over their Facebook page the other day. Yeah. No, nah, I do I do like enjoy me a bit of little league, but uh don't get nah, don't get really many um offers or anything interest coming through. How long is your contract? What what do you sign to for the for the rugby? Uh two more years. Two more years. Yeah, so two more years. So, so what is it like a four year, three year? Oh yeah, it just ranges it's different from player to player. Right, so right. yeah. Um especially those young boys. Yeah, are you not a young boy anymore? Nah. <laughs> You're yeah. a seasoned veteran now, I, I, I do see a lot of few articles saying I'm um, a young buck, but 24, pushing 25 next year. Yeah. Ugh, pushing oh, 25. Paul, it's pushing 25. Oh, he's finished. Walker's coming out, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so what brought you down here? What brought you to Otago? Was it just for rugby? Or were you studying? Or? Oh, here comes Canada. Here comes their five points. Here comes their five points. <laughs> That's not releasing very well, is it? No. Oh, it's free, son. Pass it. Oh, 
this is the part of the podcast where we go silent because we're watching <laughs> yeah. the rugby. Especially seeing a can- Canadian five pointer. Yeah. So what what brought you to Otago? What was that? Uh, so coming to Otago, uh, there's a university here, which is yep. non-negotiable for my parents. Right. And also the Otago Academy. So it seemed just like a win-win and it made sense that coming down, you know, get out of the house. I was real keen to um, get out of the house and sort of be independent. Yep. So yeah, it just made sense and enjoyed it. You, ma- you mentioned your parents are... Josh about yep. wanting you to get a, an education. How, yeah. how how big of a influence have they been on on your life as 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 a whole? I suppose. Yeah, all my life, re- really huge, really huge. Um, Mum and Dad have been pushing me since I've since I was young. I was playing all sorts of sports, you know, as a kid, um, and then yeah, it's just carried on until until how I am now. So. I think I saw some photos of you with your parents at the, after the Hamilton game. They yeah. just must have been um, super proud. Did they get emotional, or the, or are they not not ones to show that? Or yeah, oh yeah, my oh, my mum, my mum got emotional, and uh, apparently my dad did, but he's not he's not one to show. But <laughs> I, hear, I hear he did. He heard rumors. Yeah, he heard rumors. Uh, uh, yeah, sad for my mum because uh, she flew all the way to RG to watch the game, but oh, obviously right. didn't play. And then uh, wasn't able to make it to the Hamilton game. So, no, I know. Yeah, so that was, that was a real shame. But uh, nah, she was proud, and um, at least she got to watch the hucker and stuff live in RG. What about the rest of the whanau? Your brothers, sisters, siblings? Yeah, uh, two sisters yeah. Uh, in Auckland and one little brother that lives down here with me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they were, they were over the moon as well. So really little proud. brother down here studying? Uh, primary school. Oh, really? Yeah, so oh, young, cool. young, yeah. Oh, very nice. What school does he go to? Uh, Tainui Primary School. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So hopefully set him up in the rugby clubs. Yeah, so how old is he? Uh, nine. Wow, yeah. and he lives here yeah. with you? Yeah, oh, and my mum. Oh, your mum's here as yeah, well? my mum's moved down now as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's, it's good to have some family down. I came down to, uh, as a student, you know, yep. flatting. Yep. Yeah, so it's good to have some family down here. <laughs> right into that, oh, okay. that's all right. So you got your your mum, your little brother, and yourself. Yep. All living down here now. I'm assuming all living together then, flattening yep. together and flattening. It's the right word. <laughs> this is the replay, isn't it? Yes, replay. Yeah. Right. That looked like he was well over the ball there, Mister Barrett. I just I don't know if he's legal there or not, but it just shows you what a good defender he's become. He is his ability to read which play which way players are going is probably second to none. And of course, his pace as well. Mm. He's, I know he probably didn't choose to go to fullback, but I think it's making him an even better player. Is um the the speed that he had in the last World Cup? Mm. I mean, you know, and then the the following years from that. Do you reckon that's still there as is? Does he tape it off as like a teeny bit? Because there was sometimes you just it looked like he was running with you know intermediate school kids. That that was the difference in speed. I I still think he's got. Got it. I think the years that you're referencing, uh, he had one of those years, 2016, where every time he kicked the ball, the, bo- the ball bounced up into his hands. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen every year, and I think it just made him look supernatural. Um, I think he's still got the speed. He's, I think he's a try that he set up against South Africa in, in Wellington for Guju that he, you know, he burnt again the outside. I think, it's, I think it's all still there. And I know that one of the reasons that they were keen on this dual playmaker thing was that they didn't feel as if they were getting enough from fullback um, beforehand. 
that's one of the reasons that it wasn't just well, well I think we need a better number 10 it was like right. we don't we're not getting the spark we need full back from before because if you think of those two years they played Jordy there and they played Ben Smith there but well, what, what about um, the name just jumped out of my head uh, from Waikato got injured Damien McKenzie. Yeah, McKenzie. Damien. Oh, yeah. Now, if he was fully healthy, he's, he's physically quite small though, but like a whippet, just unbelievable. He always breaks two, three tackles. He's he's funny. Like I, when you meet him in person, he, he, he's one of those guys. Is actually you don't you don't come away with the impression that he's small, yeah. and he's one of those guys that uses his body very well. Yeah. And Josh knows two guys that are tagged with the same: Villamoni Karoy mm. and um, uh, John Naraki yeah, and. Yeah. You know, I was speaking to Michael Collins about them last week before the uh, Shield Challenge, and I said, you know, they're not they're not big guys, but he said, yeah, strong. They're yeah. just mm-hmm. strong. They use their bodies well. They've got to be a balance, accelerate in the contract contact. Mm-hmm. So, it's not all about size. If you if you look at like you look at body weights on a player's list, it can be quite deceptive. I find when you meet them. When you say the excitement from fullback though, that wasn't there. He's he's a pretty dynamic player, McKenzie. If he hadn't have been injured, do you reckon we still would have seen this yes. iteration? No, I think they would have stayed with Bowden at ten and um, Damien at fifteen. I think that's the way they would have gone. Uh, wouldn't have been my choice. I always want, I've been a big Moanga fan for two three years now, but I think they probably would have gone stuck with 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 Damien and, and, and Bodie. So you think Bode, like just, I mean, I know there's this, this pivot position of having two playmakers, but just looking at the skill set, the actual position of fullback, do you think Bowden Barrett is a better fullback than a Ben Smith? Yes. Yeah? So best man for the job. So that, for a long time, uh, and we talked about this last time with Case, for a long time there was there was cries of the best fullback in the world is playing wing, having, you know, Ben Smith on the wing constantly. I'm going to get that, kicked out of Dunedin for saying that. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> but that's not the case anymore. Um, Not the best fullback in the world, obviously. I, I, I think I think Bogan's a better fullback than Ben Smith is at the minute. You asked me two or three years ago, might have been a different answer. Yeah. But um, you know, he's thirty three years old. Oh, but that, you, but don't, that, you don't get any faster. When oh, you're but that's amazing. I mean, you think the the average winger is kind of like twenty four to twenty eight, mm. and then they're. I mean, you know, Savi is a perfectly good example. They they, they lose that, that one step of speed. That mm. seems to be their golden age. But mm. Ben Smith, legendary, early 30s, still going. That's in, legendary. It's incredible. And, 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 but if you remember back as well, he had those um, concussion concerns. I think it turned out to be in our ear or affecting his balance. And I, I don't think he's been as strong under the high ball as, as he was in, in his prime. And all of these little things play into it. And, um, and don't get me wrong, he's one of my favourite of our players, but um, sometimes you've got to make difficult decisions. So if you are uh, kind of joining us on Facebook or on YouTube live, remember this obviously is going to be a podcast as well, so you'll be able to listen to it um, afterwards. And when you listen to it afterwards, if you wanted to, you could sync it up with the game. We're exactly at 28 minutes. New Zealand 21-0, uh, 28 minutes and 20 seconds to be precise. Uh, that's where the game is at. Actually, actually you know, the last 10 minutes, Canada have, have come back a bit, haven't they? Mm. So they've made a couple of breaks, got close, close again now. Not doing so bad, comparatively speaking. You've been watching the other games, Josh? Like, have you been keeping eye on the Rugby World Cup or are you really focused on Otago? Um, nah, not, not a lot of the games. Uh, obviously, um, seeing the Japan-Ireland game. 
thought that was. Uh, yeah. Did you actually see that live, or did you? Oh, I, I seen a little bit, a little right, bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, but you know, I didn't see the full game. But um, I seen uh, the boys playing really fast. Age of Japanese boys. I think it's a Tony Brown special. That's the way he likes to play. Yeah. And so uh, it was really good to see. Was, oh, oh, Rico. Uh, it's an, okay, sorry to be. This is a bit of a weird question, but there's you, any relation to Rico and Rico? Nah, no, nah. There's no relation. No, no. I did actually we, Google we, we that one. Check with them yeah. as well. Oh, you cheat. <laughs> but we, yeah, we, but we, yeah. You I, need to do twenty three and me. So that, yeah. that thing. What did you think of the old Irish result there? I was actually thrilled because uh, I think Josh, like Josh, just touched on the way that Japan played was the way that I think the game should be played and. Mm. Not about the collision, but about skills and pace. Mm. And uh, I think some of their ambition late in the game, they were attacking from inside round 22. And I, I just love to see that. Um, oh. and, and there's a big Kiwi connection with Japan as oh. well, which um, obviously shone through. But I, you know, I thought it was uh, absolutely fantastic for the tournament. And you know, easily, not easily, but the best team won. And best team of the day, If sure. you want to grow yeah. the game of rugby, if you yeah. want to keep getting players of all sizes and shapes and you've got to make it a skill game not a collision game and it's, I think that's it, was, it seemed a little bit um, what's the word I don't know but pointed that the Sunwolves would disappear just the year that they have it's like they have the Sunwolves up until the Rugby World Cup now we've done the World Cup in your country we'll just we'll just we'll, we'll kick yeah. this on but now we're thinking well actually why aren't these Japanese actual national side? Why why don't we do something with the, the quad nations or something? And if that's how they can perform, if that's the level they can play at, as you say, you want the game to grow. It's got to be more than just every four years. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that happen. But one condition that you bring in a Fiji as well to make it a six-team tournament, um, because I think Island, Island's rugby has been ignored for... Forever. Um, do you I, think we can still have a Fiji, or do you think it should be like a Pacific Island nation? No, no, it's, I think it has to be Fiji. Yeah. Why, why Fiji? You say Fiji over, for example, a Tonga or Samoa. I think they're just a little bit further ahead in their programs, and um, they've got a bit more structure around it as well. I don't think it would be very disappointed with that result against um, Uruguay, but um, I look at their squad, and I think that's a squad that can, that can compete. And... The key thing is that you want a competition that attracts Fijian players back to play every year, and they don't get that. They play about half the number of games as Tier One teams do yeah. in between World Cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's a big hindrance. I wonder as well. I heard a commentator not too long ago talking about the Six Nations and talking about one of the weaknesses of the Six Nation is you always have, and it's typically Italy, but a team there at the bottom who may maybe doesn't compete most of the time. If it was more of a first tier, second tier, maybe there was two Six Nations and then at the end the bottom from the tier one plays the top from the tier two and gives someone like a Georgia or someone else a chance to come up. Mm. I mean, similar sort of thing. We've got New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Argentina. You know, maybe the bottom from that should play another four nations which might be Fiji, Japan, Samoa, um, Tonga. And then at least they get a chance to take a step up and move up through the ranks and, as you say, get more exposure and have the game grow. If we do want it to grow, though, looking in the corner, if we do want it to grow, which obviously rugby does, there we go. Oh! oh. No. He's um He's checking it. Why is he checking this? He uh, he just shook his head and said I didn't score it. 
He said he got a new nickname the other day, did Barrett, um, for that dive. For this other dive. What was it? What did you pick Amazing up what that name was? Dog roll. Dog roll, is that what it was? <laughs> I wonder what this one's gonna be then. Alright. So no try there. If you're gonna grow, if you're gonna grow the game, um love the idea of bringing in the Pacific Islands to what we do. But if you're going to grow it, surely places like Asia and the Americas are the place you want to see it grow, where the numbers of people are. Purely about growth of the game. Yeah, potentially. I I think one of the lessons from the Sunwolves is that if you're going to do it, you've got to get it right at the start. The the irony about the Sunwolves is that although they're, they're, um, it, it seems a bit unfair that they've been booted out of Super Rugby now, they actually haven't won a lot of games mm. and the, the idea might have been good but it wasn't implemented well so that's hurt them so no matter where you go the execution has got to be really good um, because they end up with a Sunwell situation where you know they did lose a lot of games yep. and uh, didn't help them at all yeah I think uh, United States is interesting I think um, played there uh, for the Maldives again, oh, yeah. in, in Chicago and uh they got some athletes, eh? They got some real athletes, and you can see them coming through the sevens program as well. Yep. I think in a few years they're, they're going to be one to watch. I, there was a there was an American commentator who basically said, you know, if we played if we played rugby, we'd be the best in the world. If our NFL guys played rugby, yeah. they'd be the best. I mean, there's a you're a bit more than that, but but you're right about the athletes, and there is also that attitude, eh? It's like we are the best, mm. like we will be the best. Mm. It's like, I mean, like they're starting to do it with their soccer, their major league soccer. You know, they're starting to drag some high profile names across and seems to be competing as a as a tournament on the world scale. Just I gotta ask you a question about um, high tackles and all the rest of it. I mean it's been a, a, a dominant thing in this World Cup. What what I'm really interested in to find out is what are the educational levels that, that players get around high tackles? What are you told about what is legal, what's not legal? and the decision-making framework um, uh, that's behind that. So we have uh, referees that come in and uh, like, when's the last one for me? Maybe the start of this year we had a referee come in and he had just explained the rules around the high tackle. I think they're, have they been changing quite a bit? Or? They seem to have been, should we say, in my um, unprofessional opinion, interpreted a bit more differently yeah, of yeah. recent times. Yeah. Certainly when you look at was it the Tonga game where the going through the crash tackle made a slight amount of contact under the chin mm. because of a fall and that was considered a penalty and everyone all the speculators are going, What? Mm. So I think it would appear the interpretation has been different maybe rather than the rule yeah. change. Would that be fair, Paul? Yeah, uh, in May they brought out a, this, uh, a decision-making framework for high tackles, I think. It, it sounds like it's coming out of a nice bureaucracy, d- d- isn't it, that one? Of, and um, Reese Hodge, the, the Wallabies player, got sent off. Well, not sent off, he didn't get even penalised against um, Fiji, but then he was subsequently cited and given a three-game ban. And the reason I asked Josh that was after that finding, um, well, in the finding it said... Um, player didn't have an effective working knowledge of the decision-making framework. Mm. And I was actually in contact with somebody in, inside the Wallabies camp after that, and they said, look, Reese has gone in there. It's a legal setting. He's sweating bullets already because he doesn't want to be there. He's got CQs ask, or um, QCs asking him questions. Of course he doesn't have a detailed knowledge of the mm. decision-making framework. And I just wanted to know from a player mm. whether... 
they do, mm. or it's just so much, well, don't hit somebody in the head. Mm. That's about as far as I it goes. I think it's a, it's a bit of both. If you ask me the detailed um, curriculum for high tackles, I probably couldn't tell. I could tell you probably a rough idea. Um, Which but, would be what? Give us the rough idea first. So swinging arms to the head yep. is yellow card. Yep. If, if, he's, if it's because he's falling, so yep. if it's because something to do with him, that he's falling, then the penalty is reduced. Yep. Uh, no arms to the head, red card. If he's falling, they, they reduce it to a yellow. Right. So, um, or just don't touch the head is the main... The main. It, um, it would seem at the moment the yeah. way that they're policing it here is if you touch the head at all, even inconsequentially, even in a fall, they're doing something about it. Yeah. That's 100% and it doesn't need to be malicious at no. all. No. It's, what, are they do, what they're doing is punishing poor tackle technique to make sure that the tackler is protected because the tackler's more often than not, the one who gets concussed. The um, the thing that it doesn't... I put this on uh, my Facebook page the other night. The thing that unfortunately doesn't quite work if they're talking about consequential uh, tackles was in that very same game, I've got a, a snapshot of a yeah. line-out. Another try. Bowden Barrett, 35 minutes in. Beautiful kick there by, I think, Sonny Bill, was it? Mm. Was that Sonny Bill? Mm. Gosh, he's trying to... Um, the last kick he put in the international spotlight wasn't so great shot. <laughs> so he's making up for that one. Um, so that's Bowden Barrett under the black dot. Oh yeah, look at that. We'll see how was the uh, how was the offside line there? Big brother, little brother. Nice. Um, anyway, I put this picture on my Facebook page. I took a snapshot of the game in the middle of the line out with a lock from one side going like this. And the head from the other guy was right there. So in every single lineout where there's contesting, there is basically head contact. Yeah. So if you're gonna have head contact Every level, you kind of can't ignore that, which is, and I'm not saying they should actually engage in that, but what I'm saying is it's not consistent if they're going to go for always head contact. No, it's not, and that's the kind of wounds that they've opened. And, and the people I feel sorry for is the referees because mm -hmm. they, I don't think referees, none, no referee I've ever met wants to send a player off. Yeah. They actually don't want to be the centre of attention. Mm -hmm. They're trying to avoid that. And they'll they'll talk to the players beforehand about you know what they're trying to avoid and stuff. They do not want to send a player off, and this framework they have been given is designed to remove players from the from the field of play. So that's that's the um, um, that's that's what they're wrestling with at the minute. You would think that if you were going to design a framework, it would be let's design a framework to keep the players there. However that would look, rather than to get rid of them, because that, as you say, means the referee can be the deciding factor of a World Cup, for example. Well, he has been in a number of games, and I suspect the referee will continue to decide in a number of games, and that's the big gamble World Rugby has taken, and uh, I don't think they're going to back down. Yeah, I, I, it was interesting, the last one of these we did with South Africa with Case Muse here, and, and he was saying, I guess what every player would say is consistency is the most important thing. Mm. If they're going to um, uh, legislate you know, firmly against, against players, just do the same in minute one to the same as 79th minute, so at least the players have some kind of consistent understanding of what the rules for today are. Yeah. But it's those inconsistencies where you see complaints after the games... I like in rugby league actually. Rugby league does the putting you on report. Mm. I quite I quite like that. I, quite I think that could be quite a good thing for rugby. And also the the um, whole TMO getting involved involved at the moment 
with the, you know, let's have a look and see if that was a dangerous tackle, slowing the game down. You know, put it on, no one's injured, no one's hurt, no one's down for the count. Put it on report. If we see it after the game, you're out for the next game. And I think uh, what's good with that is it saves, say, for example, a red card that could influence the game. Yeah. Do you think... um, yeah, that could have an effect on the game when maybe it doesn't need to. You know? I think a red card should be put in place, for example, if something's happened that so dramatically affected the game mm. that if you weren't sent off, it was unfair to the other team. Mm. Let's say a swinging arm that knocked out a kicker for the other team. Mm. So in other words, such a bad thing happened. that. Infra- but if it was a, a swinging arm that hit someone, but then actually, you know, it might have been foul play, but it, they were okay, I don't, that doesn't feel like a red card. I, I don't... You know, you want it to be, a, but I guess yeah. you have to have rules as well, don't you? I'm talking about both sides of my mouth. Yeah. My no, I know, what I know what you're saying, though. I mean, I think it's been a long time since I've actually watched a dirty game of rugby where there's been genuine coat hangers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yeah. rugby league back in the early 2000s, State of Origin, used to be just a fight with the, with the ball in there somewhere. They've cleaned up their act and their, their viewership. Well, they, everyone turned out for a fight in the game of rugby league yeah. broke out. And everybody's got all the games going soft, league going soft, but their viewership figures now are higher than they've ever been. Right. So more people are watching it, more people are getting involved in it, and they've sorted it out. And I agree with Josh. I think the report system's superb. Yeah. I think it's it works really well. Yeah. Uh, we we are basically, if you're in with us at 40 minutes at halftime, what we do is rather than sitting here and chatting whilst the uh, rugby is not playing, is we'll do what we did last week, which is a little feature. Are we cool for the feature? Is the laptop all working? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if it's working shortly. It's called uh, it's called Pat Watches the Internet. So there's halftime, Josh. What are your plans? Yeah, early morning training starts tomorrow. You're so gonna bail? Yeah. Look, we should. We are so thankful that you came in at any stage. Yep. It's great. Once the season's finished, once it's all over and done, we'll get you in for a proper podcast and have a good sit down, find out about life, the universe, and everything, which is what we normally do. But um, it's been awesome to have you in. We don't want to hold you up. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an Otago fan. I don't want to mm-hmm. make any decisions that, that might hinder that shield defence this yeah. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of saying it's time for you to leave. <laughs> nah, beauty, mate. Cheers for having me. Right. And, and look, good luck. If, if anything happens and you get across there, best of luck. Cheers. Thanks and um, so thanks for coming in. Are you going to be cool to get out? We can remember the way out. Obviously, obviously. All good. If you don't, come back and get uh, Tommy Buns and he'll, he'll take you down there. Cheers, thanks so much. All right, thanks, dude. Cheers. All right, we can, uh, we can, I feel like this is the time we should have an advert, eh? We don't do adverts <laughs> because let's rejig the studio a little bit. You can jump down and jump on the other mic if you want there. Yeah, no problem. Um, Paul. Thanks, bro. All the best. Good luck for the weekend. So this is a little thing we do called uh, Pat Watches the Internet. Now, if uh, there is a, see out the top left-hand corner there? Dude, Pat Watches the Internet. There's a, there's a little folder up there. I've got no dirty pictures on my, on my laptop today, have I? Make that full screen to make sure we don't see any of the, the crazy stuff in the background people are going to look at. All right, so now um, I put no sound to play with no sound because some of these things have got audio to them that will get us kicked off the internet. They're just things that I found through the week that I thought we could have a look at. Um, are we going to have audio for this? Because we haven't had any of the audio of the game. Yes. Is that all good? So actually for this first one we don't want audio because it's got, uh, it's got a, uh, a popular, popular song on it. And that popular song might get us uh, kicked off YouTube. So let's not do that. Okay, the first one, let's just have a look at it. It's called, uh, it's called Bird One Cat Zero. <laughs> this is Pat Watches the Internet. Let's have a look at that one first. Yep, double click on that one. Bring it over there. Make it full screen, eh? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What's the problem? There we go. Cat, 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 cat. 
Get one. <laughs> <laughs> this is my other fetish with TikTok. I always, I sit there and I watch them 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 and I watch them. Right, number two, what's number two? This is our halftime game. Why don't you just minimise the uh, the rugby there, the rugby window? Yeah, there you go, mate. Minimise everything and just bring us up that screen. So if you're actually listening to this podcast, you, this is going to be a bit that you need to actually to figure out because it's not it's not the uh, it's not the most interesting to listen to, I guess. <laughs> right, number number two is amazing. Actually, have you ever thought about buying a private jet there, Paul? Uh, no, not recently. Okay, so private jets typically are worth uh, between sort of fifteen and forty five million US if they're new. Check this out. This is a um, oh, this is a no sound as well. This is a baggage car. Mm-hmm. Going out of control. We can start that one up. Oh, now. I think I've seen this. Out one. of control, mm. about to smash into a private jet. But there are smart and clever people in the area. Let's have a look. So, baggage control. <laughs> look, that jet there is a forty million dollar jet. Yeah, getting closer. And, uh, and look, it literally is closer. You watch. It's like a closer, car. and it'll hit the next one. And douche. <laughs> Pretty clever. <laughs> Pretty clever. Lovely to have Josh in, eh? Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy he got chance to come and uh, come and speak with us. Number three, this does need sound, so hopefully we'll have sound. I have to say, I, w- I don't know how I felt. I've, I've got three daughters, and I don't know how I felt about this, but when I went through and had a look at some of the videos that I'd managed to save, quite a lot of them were cutesy animal videos because mm. <laughs> I typically save them and I show my daughters. Um, but some of them are quite funny and quite cute anyway. Should we have a look at this one? Yeah. Hopefully this, we've got laptop sound. Well, we'll see. You have to have laptop sound. I haven't quite figured it out yet. Because it's called peekaboo. If there's no sound, then there's actually going to be nothing that we'll, works. We'll, we'll find out, shall we? Yes. Cute animals. Oh, there'll be no sound. So that's not going to work for us, is it? Oh, uh, that's... It's cute, though. It is cute, though. But with no sound, it makes no difference. The bird yeah. is basically going... Peekaboo, I want to play peekaboo and his owner is going, no. Okay, let's turn. Let's take it away. <laughs> Maybe this has been a bomb. Okay, what can we have a look with no sound then? Let's have a look at the bike path. You'll have seen this one. This is in Australia. Uh, there is uh, cyclists using the road and not using the bike path. So the car thought, stuff you guys, I'll use the bike path. And hurls <laughs> abuse at them as he drives past. <laughs> Where do you stand on that? Where do I stand on that? Oh, I think if the uh, cyclists aren't using the, uh, the cycle path then, Sure. The car should be fully free to use it if they want to. <laughs> the, uh, it's a typical Aussie thing as well. Uh, dog not looking. We can look at that one. We watched the first few. The owner is eating uh, food. If you want to have a look at these, uh, how far through the feed are we? Hit play on that one. How, through, how far through? We're about an hour in. You can come have a look. So every time the, the, the unit owner uh, turns his head, you watch what the dog does. <laughs> are you a dog person or a cat person? Uh, I have a, we have a dog, not yeah. a cat person. Oh, actually, I don't really mind. I'm not really a pet person per se. Although yeah. in our house we have three rabbits and a dog, but the dog travels with the children to um, their mother's place and my place. Okay. So every other week I have three rabbits that I have to look after, yeah. and then the off week I have a dog and three rabbits that the children look after. Yeah. All right, next one. <laughs> Animals are funny, eh? Um, okay, this is horrific. It uh, doesn't need sound. And let me just say, we don't encourage this, even though we're having a beer and stuff tonight. Uh, I believe this is in Ireland at a party. Hit play. I, I just refuse to believe that. I know. I believe when you've got language, you can hear oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah he's, a, he's, definitely a, he's a Conor McGregor lookalike, basically. <laughs> he's had a few and decides it's time to go outside. Oh. <laughs> Straight through the window. 
<laughs> and then celebrates as well. And then celebrates, but then actually, if you let it run, which we won't do, we can get off that now. He then goes, oopsie, hang on, I've got a few cuts going on there. Yeah. Mm. And uh, the thing I like most of all is how everyone's just very chill. Yeah. This is normal Friday night for us. Um, yeah, we can play that one. You'll have to read it because it doesn't it doesn't have words. This is two dogs having an argument to make that full screen. You'll have to read the words along with it. But when they've got the words, it is it is a lot better. When we've got the sound, it's a lot better. So two dogs on a bed who are having an argument. I told you she's my colleague. Why don't you trust me? <laughs> and it just looks like they're really having a conversation. <laughs> and then, of I course, love these ones. yeah, it's a very funny one. It would be funnier with sound, but there we go. Oh. This is my TikTok. I saw one today that I've got to put up for the next one about being dehydrated. It's horrific. Um, this is go, you need to jump in about 13 seconds. So this dude's cutting down a tree. Yep, that'll look, that'll look right from there. Cutting down a tree, right? That's his job. He's got his helmet on. He gets out his chainsaw to start working on it. And unfortunately, <laughs> the chainsaw causes the palm tree to catch fire at the top, at least, anyway. So, of course, you know, you think, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, all good and done now. He saved that moment. But, of course, where he threw the piece of wood that was on fire was down oh, to the base of the tree. And then, of course, what happens is the whole tree. Wow, it's spread quickly. This whole tree catches fire. Wow. And the most concerning thing about this video <laughs> is it just stops. You don't really know what to think. Yeah. It just, mm. it just goes, bloop, and it's done. Mm. <laughs> you we we assume he's okay. Who knows? We assume he's okay. All right, what's next? Um, oh, we can't. We haven't got sound. Oh, that's ridiculous. You know, these things go around the internet all the time. Mm. But um, this was a particularly good one with this dude hiding from his pets, where the pets don't realise where he's going. This is, he doesn't do very well because you can see him leaving, see? But the dogs freak out and go, what the? <laughs> 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 and the reason that's most upsetting that we don't have sound is the last one. You can show the last one. Maybe I'll have to voice over what the parrot actually says. Yeah, do a voice. They do it to a parrot. And um, so I jump into that 10th clip, and the reason we left this till last was it was most funny. So he does this to a parrot, and the parrot goes like this. I'll voice it. Goes, what the fuck? <laughs> That's what the parrot actually says, <laughs> if you can hear the audio. So I apologise we couldn't quite get those audio things, but... That's our Pat Watches the Internet for this week. We'll probably do another one with the next... Uh, we've got one on Sunday, I think, don't we? Isn't that um, Namibia on Sunday? Yeah, it's a quick turnaround this week, isn't it? Don't have anybody booked for that, so we'll see if we end up being here or not. Maybe that's the day we have a power cut, so we can't do one. So um, the All Blacks at the moment, what are your thoughts about the... It's only second game, I only played one and a half game. How do you think they're positioning themselves in this World Cup, though? Yeah, I think they'll be happy enough. Um, obviously, the big game was um, the first game against the Springboks. Remember the last World Cup as well. The games that they played against smaller opposition were sort of... Yeah, you know, but they were they were working away in their fitness. And what you've got to remember as well is that I would say that these guys are heavily fatigued because they're probably into their heaviest training load of the year at the minute. So they're taper off before the quarterfinals, so they'll be right. ready for that game. They look a little bit heavy legged tonight. You think so? Yes, yeah, and and that's why. I mean, they'll be they'll be getting flogged at training and. Um, uh, they'll pro- they're definitely not at the sharpest night, a few drop balls and stuff, but that'll be why. That seems counterproductive. Or do you think, I mean, you were talking before about 
um, the All Blacks sort of always playing at peak level. And it made me think about Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think there's a movie about his bodybuilding. I've actually never seen it, but I've got lots of friends who have seen it and Mm. have been told several times that one of the reasons he was able to perform so well was he never he never peaked. So like a lot of bodybuilders will drop off and then leave and then train. He just stayed up there the whole time. And that was one of the reasons he was so successful in what he did. It sounds like that's sort of what we're saying about the All Blacks. They're up there. But also, I mean, getting fatigued in training and not fresh enough for the games, that doesn't sound particularly productive. Although, do you think that that's actually a thought-out process to yep. go towards the quarters and yep. CMEs? It is. It's like if you were training for a marathon and the marathon's on the 1st of October. Yeah. Um, you want to be right for the 1st of October. What you're doing on the 1st of September doesn't really matter. And you don't so you might be shattered through September and you think, will I'm, be. Training, I'm training too hard. I can't but do you, this. But then you take the last two weeks off of before yeah. the 1st of October. Yeah, and um, I actually used to run marathons. Right. So um, that's what you did, and it was terrifying because you were so tired with all the training. You thought, I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, but it says in my training plan I've got to rest for the next two weeks, so I'll do that and see what happens. And then, bang, there you go. On on the big day, you're 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 good to go. I think this is what these guys are doing too. They have what thirty one over there? Is that right? Yep, thirty one. Um, which is too small, by the way, and I think they'll change it for the next World Cup. What do you think? 34, 36? 33, probably. Maybe one or two more. So now that now that Josh is gone, mm-hmm. <laughs> you think he should have been there? Yeah, I do. Over Geordie? Yeah. I do. I think that it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me that this dual playmaker thing, and um, it doesn't make sense to me that they've got their third best playmaker not with them. Um, you know, what if they get one of one of Wong or Barrett gets injured? Then they've got to change plans. Well, I was hearing commentators, rugby brains, mm-hmm. talking about for one of these games, you might see TJ Perinara or Ben Smith playing first five. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah, they'll probably... Just because you've played it at high school doesn't mean you should be playing it at a World Cup. No, I, mean, I think they'll probably play maybe Geordie there at first against Namibia because it's a quick turnaround. Mm. And, you know, that's I can understand the rationale for doing that. Um, they want to give uh, Mwanga and Bard as much time as possible in, in those positions. They're probably thinking, well, do we take Josh in because he's not going to play a lot? Yeah. Um, but I just think, that, well, primarily, as I said before, I think he's good enough to be there. And, and and second, I think it aligns better with what they're trying to achieve. And to me, he is he is as, as close as they've got to achieve Mwanga in terms of his ability to play close to the line, make mm. decisions, and his kicking game. I think I think it's I think he mirrors a lot of what uh, Mwanga provides, and he's a great goal kicker too. Yeah, it's interesting when you kind of package it that basically what you're saying is both their first fives are on the field at all time mm. at first five and fullback, mm. and then if something happens, mm. exactly, you that definitely happens. want your number three on the bench. I think so, um, or in the squad at least, so he can he can he's ready to roll because Be- because we've all we all remember when did you come to New Zealand. Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I was born in Christchurch. Right. <laughs> when did you come back to New Zealand? Uh, when it was, uh, let's see, about 2014. Okay, so so newer than Christian Cullen playing at centre. You know, we all remember the Christian Cullen playing at centre out of position during World Cups and then going, ah, 
mm. maybe not the best idea in the world. And and if we get to the final, you know, and then if the rugby gods allow that and we lose the first five or a fullback, then, mind you, if we lose a fullback, you've probably got Bender. Yeah. But if you lose the first five... I think, I think, oh, mind you, but then is that the thing? Okay, I'm just talking this out. You lose the first five, Mawang goes off, Bowden goes in, you've got Bender at fullback. Is that really... So it basically means your first five reserve is not on the bench, he's on the field. I think it's more to do with the way that they're trying to play the game. And they've been trying to play this game since the game against the Wallabies in Japan last year where it was Bowden and McKenzie for the first time. Yep. So they've decided then, when you make a big change for a World Cup, you do it at the, at the end of the season tour of the previous year, right? Yep. You, this is when you start doing it. So they decided then... This is the way we want to break down defences. Two um, playmakers on the field. Yep. Right? And at that stage, they had Barrett, McKenzie, Mwanga. Now, when McKenzie got injured, they've decided, well, we're not going to bring Josh. We'll just go back to the old fullback solution if one of them goes down. Mm-hmm. That's that's my issue. It, it's not consistent with what they've done. Right. Um, look, you know, it's that's a personal thing. Um, I can see why they've brought Jody there. He's playing on right wing tonight. He gives them such flexibility. He can pop in lots of different places. But I would I, have liked to see Josh there as, as the backup, as the next guy to come in. Because one of these guys that gets injured, yeah. a young fellow that was sitting beside us yeah. half an hour ago, yeah. is suddenly thrown in yeah. to a World Cup campaign. And we're going, okay, win the World Cup for us now. Yeah, I mean, look what happened last, was it last time or 2011? 2011, when we went down to Beaver. Yeah, and that, that you know, got away with it. That's, yeah, that's it's got away with it. It's the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah so is what I'm hearing you saying, if you're, if you're joining along with us, literally kickoff has happened just now. Oh, look, so who's uh, who have we got? We've had changes already. Looks like Ryan Crotty's on. Crotty's on for who? I can't see a Sonny Bill. I think Sonny's there. Uh, I'm guessing that it's Jack Goodhue who is not first, there. First game back. Oh, there we go. So Williams is in a crotty. Oh, see that's contact in the air. or Was it a fair contest? Mm. So that it's interesting about these about these rulings, right? And I still think the head contact is a is a, is a stumbling block. Oh, there's Sunny Bill. It goes all the way. Go lad, go lad, go lad. Here we go, Rico. That's what we all want to see, isn't it? Mm. See, so got a chance of getting back ahead of uh, as a bridge, isn't it? No. Bridges. Yeah, I think that the the. The chance he's got of getting back is not ahead of Bridge. It might be for Seve Reese, but that would mean moving Bridge to the right wing. Um, yeah, I, I think he's up against it. Uh, I think they'll give him every chance, but I heard Ian Foster saying that he's been troubled by a calf injury um, that's prevented him from reaching top fitness. And for a winger to have a calf injury that's affecting your acceleration is, you know, it's a biggie. Yeah. I think um, Geordie Barrett's an interesting one. He seems to be, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful by saying a jack of all trades and master of none. That's that's too harsh, especially from a you know fat dude sitting watching rugby from the other <laughs> side of the world because he's a sublime athlete. Yeah, but I is. think about his brother, and I remember when his brother was behind uh, Cruden at first five, hmm. and every time Bowden came on, something happened magical. And he had the X factor, you know, there was something. And I remember having debates. In fact, you know, Dom George was with us last last game uh, as a journalist and that, and I used to do something else with him at the ODT. And I remember saying to him during this thing that we did at the ODT where I said, um, if he comes on and brings the magic for the last 30 minutes, why don't we just let him have the magic for the full 80? Mm. And not long after that, he, he got the starting spot. 
I, I, I like seeing, it's, I guess we all like seeing those kinds of players, but Geordie seems to be a very, very, very good um, utility replacement type player, which is probably why he's there. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on, nail on the head there, Paddy. He's been moved around a lot in his young career, sometimes not from any fault of his own, but mm. just because the Hurricanes have needed him to step in various positions, 12, 13, wing, fullback. And until he finds his own spot, I don't think we're going to see the best of him. I think he's a midfielder. I think he's a 12. I think so that's, that's his natural spot? I think so. He's I a giant of a man. He's so he's 6'5", eh? And, and he's, he loves contact. Yeah. I think that's where he wants to play. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it was probably a factor in his decision about where he's going to um, where he's going to stay at the Hurricanes or move on to the Blues. Yeah. Um, so I think he'll end up in the midfield and, and then we'll see the best of him. Do you think his uh, best years are yet to come, that maybe, you know, a year, two, three from now, he might be more like in that starting lineup somewhere midfield? Yeah, I think he'll... If Good he, enough to be the starting all-black midfield? Oh, it's... I mean, if you just look at the players in that position, uh, I think it maybe Anton Leonard-Brown will end up at, at 12 for the all-blacks longer term, Nani Lamapi as well. It's, it's not easy to crack that side, but I think he's a... a I think he's got a better chance of making the midfield longer term than he does have at fullback. Yeah. Or at wing. Or I don't, I just don't think he's a winger. No, we, I mean, again, you know, blowing unfit dude from the other side of the world, <laughs> the last person to say it, but he doesn't seem to have that same step. You look, which look at a Reese or a Rico or a, you know, there's something different about them. Another try, was he going to drop this one? <laughs> well done, Barrett. Well done, Barrett. Held on to it. Didn't do a dog roll. <laughs> Poor boy. Oh, my goodness. So that puts us to 40 nil after 44 minutes. Mm-hmm. So my 80 is pretty much on. It is on. Point a minute. Let me throw a question back at you, Pat. How, yeah, how confident are you feeling at this stage about the All Blacks winning the World Cup? I, I don't think my confidence has changed from before the World Cup. And I said before the World Cup, I didn't expect us to win it. And it's not because we didn't have the skill set to win it. It's because what has to line up to do three in a row, um, meaning three World Cups in a row, seems so insurmountable. I don't know how they will. Mm. Um, One thing goes wrong. You know, like, for example, Japan beats Ireland and we face Ireland in the quarters and they Mm. have the game of the century. You know, one thing goes wrong and we're gone. Mm. So I think that stuff.co.nz, actually... People don't know much about you. You're with Stuff.co.nz, sports. Yep. What's your official title there? Uh, just sports reporter. Yep. I, I cover the Highlanders and um, rugby mostly. I think the power rankings that Stuff's got is a, is a really good tool. Mm. And at the start of the tournament, Stuff basically saying, you know, here's the statistical chances of what's going to happen. The All Blacks to get into the you know quarterfinal round was a 99% chance. I agree with that. But if you went through was win that game into the semis, would win that game into the final, would win the final, it was about 30%. Mm. And I think that's really fair mm. because that's acknowledging what could go wrong. So um, I will say this to you, not to sit on the fence, I think we are the the best team at the Rugby World Cup at the moment. Mm. I think we're the favourites to win. But I think um, five minutes of rugby, uh, one decision of rugby, uh, you know, one you know, let's say bad move, bad call, and we're out. Mm. So I still say, would say, statistically speaking, 
we're no we're no favourites. Just based on all of those. Is there anybody that you've seen that's making you um, think they can get close enough to the All Blacks to bring a bad decision into it? Is it what are the team? Are I, the I have to say, and after watching the Japan game, it may not be the case, but when Ireland played that first game, they looked unstoppable. Mm-hmm. They looked unbelievable. Um, I think looking at what's going to happen, I mean, I've, I've done the draw a few times, and for a while we were either going to play Scotland or Japan in that quarter. Now Japan's gone and beaten Ireland. They could easily win that whole pool. Here we go, another try. Another try, 46, 47 minutes in. Mm, that was nice. Yeah, that was lovely, actually. Lovely offload. Who passed uh, maybe, that offload? That was Rico. Maybe see, maybe that try that he just scored, is uh, maybe that's a spark he, that he needs. He needs a bit of something, eh? Because he's just got involved again there, coming closer to the play. It's it's like when you watch a you watch like a Marty Gupta, the cricketer, who is just a world-class cricketer, and they just... And they just they just fail and they fail and they fail and they fail and then something happens and they get fucking two hundred and twenty five not out of the World Cup and then for the rest of that year they they just don't go out. Yeah. They, sometimes they need something, eh? Yeah, it's 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 a mental game, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I have to say now I'm I, I think that there's every chance that we could face Ireland in the quarters. Mm. I think if we do that, that's a dangerous game. And on the same side of the draw. You've probably got England versus Australia, mm. which means even if we get past that first race, we've either got England or Australia. Australia, I haven't been impressed with it this World Cup, but they are a team that seems to get up, especially against the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are two or three teams for me that are kind of going really interesting looking. Um, but also now that Japan's just done what Japan's done, it's kind of thrown it all all up. I mean, I really wanted to see a New Zealand-Ireland final. Mm. And if Ireland won that pool, they would have been on the other side of the table. So, um, yeah, there you go. 49-0. 49-0 after 48 minutes. That is a seven, I don't know, six converted tries and a penalty try. So, yeah, what about you? What are you saying? I mean, you're more you know, up to your neck in it than I am, keeping an eye on actually as a rugby reporter. Yeah, I... I I don't see anybody particularly close to All Blacks at the minute. And yeah. I know what you're saying about Ireland. And um, I think there is, part of it is, it's a bit like boxing. I think some fighters make good fights. And I think that Ireland's got a style that brings them closer to the All Blacks and potentially they should be on a talent basis. Yep. Yep. Um, but I think that quite a lot has changed since the last encounter in November. And I've always felt that if, if the All Blacks had put Wong on a 10, that Ireland wouldn't be able to cope with him and Barrett. And I think that changes everything for me. And, like, I would think that it would have to be torrential rain wherever they're playing in the quarterfinal, and the All Blacks would have to have two men sent off within the (laughs) first five minutes, and then potentially another couple of lucky decisions, and Ireland might win that match. I I said this at the last (laughs) Rugby World Cup, and I think I've already told this story on this podcast, so... Apologies if you've heard it before. But if All Blacks play to their peak as best they can, no mm. one touches them, no matter what happens on the other side of the of the you know, halfway line. If All Blacks play half as good as they can, it's a game against maybe the two or three top teams. There goes Bodie through a gap. Brad Weber about to score under the dot. This is going to run out to more than 80-0. That's... That's the beauty of PS right there. We were talking about yeah, yeah, Bodie's yeah. PS earlier, but... Um, Weber is 
electric when he when he came down here and played the Highlanders. He scored a try that you know not many other halfbacks could score. And um, I mean, this is what I love, love about New Zealand rugby. Brad Weber and a lot of other nations wouldn't be a rugby player because some coach who hadn't got a clue would have told them he was too small yep. 15 years ago and he yep. would have given the game up. Yep. Go play soccer. Yep. Now there he is playing at the World Cup. So a beautiful try run, a beautiful line off Bowden Barrett. Yep. And that's why I like to watch the All Blacks play. Yeah, good try. Lovely try, actually. So I was going to say, so if we play uh, to half our capacity, mm. then maybe the other three or four top teams in the world, it's, it's a game. For another team to beat us, we basically have to have a terrible game and whoever it is, Ireland, Australia, England, probably South Africa, maybe not, have to play their best game. That's what we saw in Perth. We, we saw the All Blacks playing their worst game and Australia playing their best, and that's why they blew us out. That's the way that someone beats us, but it is, I'm, it's possible, which is why I say it's not, you know, there's still a road to go here. What, what do you do if the All Blacks lose? Do you sink into a funk of depression nah. that lasts for four months? Nah, or, or, or is it just done and dusted next day? To me, it's a game. This is a game. Mm. It's a game I love. I love this game, you know. I, I played a fair bit of it. You know, I played a, a lot of sports. Oh, the uh, Ben from accounting's on. Um, no. In fact, you know, I, I, I'll be careful the way I say this because I don't want to cast any aspersions, but you know that Vodafone advert that's got the guy who wins the Rugby World Cup? I hate that advert. Well, the, re- the reason I look at that and I kind of go, is I see and not talking about the person of the advert. Don't know that person, not commenting to that person. Yep. But that's the kind of passion that when the All Blacks lose causes uh, the rate of um, you know, domestic violence to go up. Yeah. That kind of passion for the game, that kind of desperate need for this team to give you validation is the stuff that sends women to, um, to shelters. What? And I, I, that really concerns me. For me, I'll be like, if they lose, I'll be like, ah, fuck. And then I'll be like, ah, oh, well. That honestly will be my my response. Well, let me ask you another question on a similar topic. Do you do you think that um, New Zealanders have become more um, accepting of of losing, or has it not changed, or, mm. or or has there been a societal change that 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 says when the All Blacks lose, it's people just get on with their lives, or what? what do you, what's your feeling of the last uh, 10, 15 years? It probably depends. Well, <laughs> I have to say no, and I'll give you an example of why. <laughs> so I worked for New Stock ZB for seven years as a talkback host. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard all those opinions. Right. And I well remember the time that Robbie Deans did not get the job as All Black you, captain. You oh, a, All Black coach. You got a few calls from Canterbury? Split the country in two. <laughs> Never going to support the All Blacks again. Never going to do it again. And then he got appointed by the Wallabies, and he was the coach. And in the very next, whatever it was, Tri Nations or Quad Nations, we did right. Yeah. Uh, his Australia team beat our All Blacks. Mm. I don't remember what year it was. Whatever, but I because I remember this because of the talkback. Yeah. Two hours solid of we've just given away the next Rugby World Cup. You know, I'm never going to watch All Blacks again. Worst decision ever. I remember just letting the talk back going and saying to a bunch of those people, "This is a this is a tournament we're playing. This this tri series, whatever it is, Sands are. You know, mm-hmm. I say if for some reasons the All Black comes back and they win this, will you call back and recant?" And they all said, "Of course I will," but they're not going to do it. And guess what happened? The All Blacks came back and they won that tri series, and they ended up being the the team on top. Yeah. Did talk back that night? Deathly quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Deathly quiet. 
But I, I, I say I don't, I don't. From, that was ten years ago. Yeah, that was. I think that was two thousand and eight. I think you're yep. talking about. He went from Crusaders, went in Super Rugby, and then they played them in Sydney and beat them thirty four nineteen or something yeah. like that. It was quite a heavy loss. It was some bad performances. So yeah. I don't think Richie was playing that night. But so I, I think that that. I don't think that feeling has gone away. Hmm. Mind you, I also acknowledge that the sort of, I guess what is now considered the Twitter sphere, sphere which back then was Talkback. I mean, Talkback has kind of moved into social media. Yep. That it doesn't appear that New Zealand is over losing. Hmm. Um, and in fact, you often hear more whinging when we do badly than praise when we do well. Hmm. So that would again suggest that maybe we haven't got used to, haven't got used to uh, to losing. But when it comes down to it, there are 30 grown-ass men chasing a ball around the field right now, getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to entertain us. Mm. It's a game. It is a game, and this is, maybe this is going to get me arrested as well. <laughs> um, I think but, I'll see yeah, a few things just in there might get me arrested. But um, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I obviously am in and around players as part of my job. And I actually find find rugby players um, very well rounded, mm. and probably don't have the same life and death attitude towards the game as um, some supporters. And yeah, that's that interesting. Might, that might that might put people up the wrong way. But these guys have got families; they make decisions on, on basis on, on on their family. If I know, so important to them. They have other things going on in their life. They don't lead a life where it's rugby all the time obsession that's, about that's it. That's good though. It is good yeah, and it's healthy. And it's 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 really good and it's a really important part of um hi, uh, high performance programs rugby programs in Zen and by that I mean the super rugby franchises. Yep. And they are big on making sure that the the players that they um get in have a whole of life experience. And actually it even goes below that. It goes to a minor 10 cup level. I spoke to Ben Harry in the Tiger coach at the start of the year. And I said, what's success to you, Ben? He says, success to me is getting some of these young fellas at the end of the year, they're confident and standing up in front of their peers and making a presentation. Mm. He said, that's it. That's it for me. Wow. Wins and losses, keeping the shade. It's all cool. All is lovely and the rest of it. But 10 years, 20 years time, that's what I'll take away as success. And I think that's true of a lot of the teams. That was beautiful. Yep, that was it's, Moanga. That's Moanga again. And but that, 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 again. <laughs> that's a that's um that's how I think the players view the game, and uh, I think that's a really good example to the people who follow the game as well. Yeah, I th- I, that's a really nice way to think about it. Um, if you're just joining us, or you're listening to this in post, it's 57 minutes in, and Brad Weber just scored a second with a beautiful offload by Moanga. I see that Geordie took it at first. Mm. Wonder if that's a plan. Is sixty-one nil good Six. for us? Is sixty-one nil good for us? Says Tom in the corner. I think it's a, it's better than the other way. Yeah, <laughs> better than nil sixty-one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. They'll probably say there'll probably be people after this, much like they were after Tonga, saying, "Well, oh, what did that really do for us?" No, but it I, will be. It'll but be. I, I think it'll. I think it's done lots. Um, yeah, it's. It's an interesting kind of psychological thought about the amount of um, joy, identity people find in their sporting athletes. You know, I sometimes watch American football and I watch uh, college football in America 
And it scares the shit out of me sometimes to look at 100,000 people in this stadium, mm. all fucking painted orange, <laughs> you know, with their shirts off and, and, and it's snowing. Yeah. And it just feels like sometimes it goes from kind of from being a supporter to being a cult. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very difficult as well because... Um, Do you want another drink, by the way? Yeah. What do you uh, want? Um, you want another beer? Yes, please. Would you like a high knee? Uh, yeah, cardboard. that sounds good. Um, like it's the other way I look at it as well is from a perspective of a father. I've got three young kids. I um, the eldest is five, and then I've got twins who are who are three. And, and the eldest, one of the reasons that we moved back to New Zealand is that we thought it was the best country in the world to bring up kids, and uh, it's got a wonderful culture. And he's without any prompting, he's starting to get in to the All Blacks. And it's just such a wonderful thing for him to get into with his friends. Now, I'm going to try and make sure he doesn't turn into one of those fans that goes nuts about the All Blacks. But yeah. he's really proud of it. And it's a little bonding thing from him and his friends at school, etc. So, I mean, I look at it from that angle as well. And I, and I see... Rugby being so important to rural communities in New Zealand. I went to Alexandra for the Highlanders pre-season game. Town got together for it. There's, there's a lot to like about the fanaticism about the All Blacks yeah. as well. But I do agree with you. And as a journalist, I get it in my inbox all the time because people <laughs> think I'm a rabid Irish fan who wants the All Blacks burn in hell. Nothing could be further from the truth. But that is, that's how people, you know, perceive it. Yeah. Um, so there is that unhealthy side of it, um, but I also think there's a really lovely side to it as well. And I can hand and heart say that most of the players, all the players that I've, I've met have, have all been really nice guys and I've had <coughs> much more about them than, than people would think. I, um, I, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking community. I'm thinking when I grew up, I grew up in Auckland and uh, we, sort of, we supported the Marist Rugby Club. Mm. And in that era, uh, John Kerwin was there, Zinzan Brook was there. You know, it was like they were the, the, the big boys. Yep. Um, and, you know, it was a great era of club rugby with, you know, I think Grant Fox played for university with Terry Wright and all these players. And I, and I just, I, and I've told this story before as well, but, you know, from where I am to you, right, literally that's a metre. Let's say, let's say it's two metres. Um, we'd be standing on the sideline and there's John Kerwin. Like, literally, there is John Kerwin. Like, oh, you know. How, how did that make you feel as a young fellow? Oh, just, like, unbelievable. But then the community was, everyone goes back to the club rooms afterwards. Mm. Everyone has a beer. All the players are there. I mean, it was that kind of rugby racing beer culture, so it wasn't, if you stayed there late at night, it wasn't perhaps the best. Yep. But as a, what would I have been, 10, 12-year-old, whatever. Yeah. You know, go and get a lemonade with my old man getting a ginger ale because he wasn't a drinker. Um, and the club rooms and the teams came out and there's John Kerwin and there's Bernie McCarhill and there's, you know, it was it, and it really was community. Mm. And I do wonder sometimes when we talk about community, we've lost that level of club rugby in New Zealand a little bit because, I mean, fucking super rugby starting in February. Mm. So, so basically anyone does well in the Mitre 10 Cup this year, they're not going back to their clubs next year. They're going to they're going to Super Rugby and then going into NPC Rugby, and some of them are going to All Black Rugby. And the clubs are now like the amateur feeding zone that no one 
well, I can't say no one attends. That's arrogant because I, I don't attend. But that feels like it feels like the NPC now is what club rugby was in the 80s. Mm. The NPC is the feeder to the bigger league. Like the club rugby used to be the feeder to the NPC. Yeah, I, I think it's a. Uh, I think that everybody that I speak to in the game is concerned about that. And um, I think people are concerned about Mitre 10 Cup. And well, I, I think people are concerned about Super Rugby as well. I spoke to a, a CEO of a Super Rugby team not so long ago, and he tells me he wakes up pretty much every every morning worrying about Super Rugby and attendances because they've dropped off a little bit. Yeah. And uh, when you take away that club game at the bottom, yeah, then where's that they're on the front line of getting people right. into the game. So, so the club feeds the fans to the Super Rugby? I think so. I think well, that, that, But that would be the club feeds the fans to the NPC, and the NPC should be leading them. So, like, for example, we're in Otago, obviously. That means Southland. And But see, straight away, how often do the Highlanders play in Southland this year? Uh, so all of those Southland fans basically are already kind of struck off the, the attendance. I mean, some travel, obviously, but the majority of them won't. I mean, th- th- this is... I think this is New Zealand rugby's big question. What do they do about um, parochialism in the game and how to get it back and how to um, how to value it? Because it's 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 all about the All Blacks and yeah. sometimes that doesn't work well with the lower part of the game. I mean, when's the last time Ben Smith played for Otago? Yeah, well, that's it. Then they then they don't ever go back to NPC. No. So once they're so so with, you say ask the same about the Barretts and Wellington or Taranaki that they play for so they yeah, or, 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 or Reed and Canterbury or yeah, yeah so actually they've they've gone even we, we were talking about what's lost from club rugby they're actually also lost from NPC rugby yep yeah because I remember I I can remember club finals I remember you know you'd go to Eden Park and you'd see Maris playing Ponsonby or universities playing Ponsonby or you know whatever it was a big overlap. And the club finals, there was typically a window where the All Blacks or the Auckland players were back. Mm. So you'd see the club finals and you'd see the All Blacks playing for their club sides in the club finals. It was it was fantastic. I guess the equivalent of that now would be in the Mitre 10, where you see your All Blacks playing back in the finals for the Mitre 10 teams. It's just so much rugby these days. Yeah. And it's not, oh, it's not going to change next year because... Next year is still a, a, a full, what, how many teams are in Super Rugby now? 16, whatever it is. Mm. That's it, the Sunwells are still going to be part of it next year. It's a full Super Rugby. Uh, and then I think two or three tests in July as well. Um, so it's just a huge amount of rugby, which is why they're starting in February. And then at the end of that, you've got your Mater 10 Cup. So it's a real... It's a real dilemma about how to how to work out all that. I just think there's too much rugby. What do you think? I'm going to actually now suggest something that will give, give us more rugby, which will go down like a bag of cold sick. <laughs> what do you think about the idea of basing the Super Rugby on the NRL? Like rather than playing sort of and finishing in August and then going, they do like a 30-week season. They play teams home and away. And then actually when the All Blacks are playing, t- teams get players get pulled out. I, I have got so many friends in Australia who just want to give you a big kiss right now because they're in my ear all I the time about, about, about <laughs> the Australians, rugby fans want a trans-tansman competition. They do not want to be part of Super Rugby anymore. They want to play New Zealand teams right. week in, week out. They want to have it aligned to... They've got footy seasons over there and they want it to be that yeah. desperately. Yeah. And 
It's probably only money that's stopping it from happening because New Zealand wants South Africa's money in, yeah, yeah. in Super Rugby. But Population yeah, density and numbers. I, I, I think what you're talking about would completely reinvigorate the game over there and add a bit of interest over here. Do you think that we should be concerned about Australian rugby? Yes. Yeah? I do. I, As I said, I worked there for 14 years and at the start of it... Um, it was, I mean, what Wallabies at that time, at the, in the early 2000s, was obviously going through a great period, but it was, uh, to, it was office talk, and it's not anymore. The casual fan is drifted away from rugby, and, uh, and Super Rugby as a brand is dead in Australia. It and have they gone done. somewhere, or have they just dropped it? Like, have they gone off yeah, to... Yeah, they've gone to AFL, and they've gone yeah. to NRL. I mean, NRL was obviously the number one competitor, but the AFL is extraordinarily wealthy, and it has spent a lot of money getting into schools, in into rugby schools. And oh, it's a very, um, in a sense, a very easy game to play it's just mm-hmm. the ball kicking or kicking around is that there's not as much as that contact that you get so yep. a, a lot of people have put their kids towards that so sure. you know it, rugby's lost enormous ground in australia and i don't think that people in new zealand appreciate quite how far it's fallen i heard a stat once it's probably not true <laughs> i'll have to <laughs> google it because we normally have a google option but our google option is playing uh, spark sport right now that um, AFL Aussie rules had actually a pretty massive player base in New Zealand as well. As well. Really? And it was growing. Aussie rules numbers in NZ. I'll have a look while we're, while we're talking. Was this on AFL? Says, there's 30,000 registered players. Yeah, is that on AFL.com? They like to pump up their numbers. Wikipedia. All right, okay. AFL Wikipedia. But 30,000, that's... Yeah, well... It's I wonder as well, I mean, I talked about Bernie McCarthy before and part of Marist, like growing up in the kind of Auckland Catholic scene with the McCarthy's and all that kind of stuff and the, and the hooks into the Gaelic rugby and the Irish club and that hmm. sort of thing. I wonder if there is a group of expats who gravitate towards AFL who may be from a Celtic country rather than Gaelic football or that sort of thing. Possibly. Don't know. Possibly. But, you know, AFL is huge over there and they've spent a lot of money um, expanding the league as well. 63-0 after 66 minutes. What was your prediction? 80-5. to 80-5. to five. I think you're, you're, on, you're on track, aren't you? Well, I just thought... You know, to uh, it was interesting chatting with uh, Case last time about how important that donut is, and mm. if they've got oh, that was unlucky, um, if they've got a zero at this stage of the game, how important it is for them to keep it. And he was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, if we can, yeah, absolutely." That was a really unfortunate break with the ball, the way the ball bounces for that young Canadian fella. I was, I was Case's. Uh, how's the real estate market going for him? Is it, yeah, is it booming in Dunedin? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I moved here four and a half years ago mm. and bought a house up in Wakari up the hill mm. for about two thirty. Ooh, uh, same house. If you go to like homes.co.nz or one roof, whatever the cause, and you and you um, no sponsorship by the way yet, yeah. <laughs> and you and you type in the houses, they're they're being looked at for between sort of four hundred and fifty and five hundred k now. So in the last sort of four and a half years, we got it in just the right time. You know, wow. It's um. It seems to have uh, gone up. And it's, I mean, that Aucklanders will hear that and laugh. Like mm-hmm. my sister 
my sister thinks it's hilarious. You know, she come here and buy four houses, and <laughs> um, but but still, you know, put on a put on a hundred k over two 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 and a half years. It's not yeah. it's not nothing. No. So yeah, I think he was saying it's going gangbusters, and I think what happened was when when I moved down, when we moved down, there was a a bit of a flurry of investment from outside of Dunedin, uh, including people moving here and buying, but certainly of people um, investing in rental properties because the the return was good, mm. and that's the thing that's um, that's driven the market. Mm. It's the same. It's funny. It's the same argument again. Talking about talkback, I used to hear it all the time. You know, bloody insert international person's name here on whatever ethnicity <laughs> coming over here and buying our houses moved to an it's like bloody Aucklanders coming here and buying our houses it's exactly the same argument just remove an, uh, an international ethnic name and put it in Auckland <laughs> instead is what it is 63-0 what's this 11 minutes to go Josh um, seems to have his head again not meant to be patronising but his head screwed on Knows what he's doing, knows what he's about. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear him talk about how his parents insisted that he got a university education. Mm. So, um, you know, uh, that's that's a that's a key thing to have that support, isn't it? And to make sure that he's been looked after after rugby as well. So, yeah. it sounds like, it sounds like he's been a pretty grounded uh, grounded fella, and having the younger brother down here as well was interesting. I didn't Yeah, that was that. fascinating. That's yeah, a nice touch, isn't it? Like yeah, absolutely. Um, we should probably say as well, if, you, if you're uh, tuning in now um, and you're joining us and you're thinking, hang on, you guys are supposed to have an All Black with you. We had Josh Yuani for the first half and um, we happily and gleefully shoot him out of the studio at halftime because he's got to go to training tomorrow and he's got a Ranfurly Shield defence this weekend and we didn't want to be held responsible for making him tired and off the ball with a subpar performance. Imagine that. Here comes Artie Savier. Oh, what, do you think of the, what do you think goggles? of the goggles? Do you know yeah. what I thought as soon as I saw them? Mm. How long before there's a camera right between the eyes? That'll that'll <laughs> Actually, that's what I thought that was. When they talked about Artie wearing those glasses, I thought, oh, he's wearing them for to give like a, you know, camera option sort of thing, but they're for his eyes and... But that's got to be that's got to be the if they're wearing them that's got to be the season. Put a little camera between the eyes as well, and you'll have Artie Artie Cam. Yeah, it's it's a funny story, isn't it? I don't know whether um, it's like a heartwarming story or whether it's just a terrifying story as well. Because essentially, he's, he's wearing them so that he doesn't get eye gouged in his right eye and goes blind later in life, which is a horrific thought. Really, mm. there's no prescription in them. They're, they're, oh, is that right? No, you can't put them prescriptions in them, but there's none in his. The way I read it was he, he had a issue with his eyes. He's got an issue with his left eye, but it must be so. <laughs> he looks like a spaceman. Come on, Artie. <laughs> he does look pretty cool. He it does look pretty cool. Um, yeah, it is, his eyes, eyesight in his left eye is bad, but it must be a condition that is... It can't be improved with contact lenses. I wear contact lenses. And it also must be a, a condition that might degenerate over time. And that's why when he, when he talked about that, because he talked about his eyesight getting quite a lot worse over mm. the last year or couple of years, that's why I thought they must be a prescription. No, but, you, but you're saying he's just dealing with that issue. and There's no prescription, so he's not seeing any better out of his left eye. He's just wearing them to protect his right eye in case it gets damaged. Uh, I follow uh, Stephen Merchant, comedian, yeah. co-writer of The Office, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Very tall man, <laughs> six foot seven. Um, he often tells stories of when he was at school because he's got very 
bad eyesight, mm. not being able to play any sport at all. I look, I look at what Artie's wearing tonight, and I'm thinking, gosh, actually, and I, I did hear him mention it on the All Blacks website, website that I did an interview with him, about kids looking at it and being able to use this for their own thing. And I think about kids with bad eyesight, rugby becomes an option. Well, I, I just think as well for kids with bad eyesight, if you're going in, going back to the school term uh, and you're wearing glasses, you're just feeling 10 foot tall. And I know he didn't want to be seen as a role model, but... Um, they all say that. Yeah, you know what kids are like. They'll see that and just think it's awesome. Everybody will want, gla- want, will want glasses now. It does look quite cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It looks like he's uh, straight out of Tron. Ben from accounting. Oh! So there's two... Definitely two, perhaps three tries they could have scored. Mm-hmm. 70, we're actually 10 minutes to go exactly. So that was Weber knock-on, but ball thrown behind him, not his fault. Have you had much to do with Ben Smith in your reporting? Yeah, he's he doesn't give much away. No. <laughs> I don't know whether he, there's much to give away or, you know, or, or it's all just a big mask but he, he really doesn't give much away he gives the impression that he'd rather be getting tattoos on his eyes rather than speaking to um reporters yeah we met him in um in sinclair <laughs> and i never do this because i really always respect high profile people's yeah. space i never go up to people and talk to them mm-hmm. you know no matter what but i was like oh i can't turned down this opportunity and I asked, went up to him, I talked to him with his family and said, you know, podcast and come on. He's like, yeah, 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 we should, we should figure that out. Mm. Of course, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> but I know I'm fine with that, you know, it's not it's not like, um, I mean, for us to get Josh Juani tonight was a bit of a coup actually, so don't have any qualms about that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty funny. You could just see he must get so many, especially in Dunedin, he must get so many people. Oh, you know, school opening. Oh, you know, prize giving. Oh, can you? Oh, and then I'm just another fucking one doing it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm assuming because he's off to, where's he off to? He's off to France for seven months, and but I think he'll end up in Japan after that. Um, yeah, but I think he, he'll probably come back here first, like to pack up house and stuff. Yes. Maybe, maybe I'll try and grab him again. Maybe I'll yes. let him say yes again before he doesn't come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely guy, though. And and such a nice, you know, obviously happy to give people, you know, time out in the public and stuff. And I wondered as well, when when we saw him out in public, I he um I thought I could see a little bit of grey in the old... Uh, oh, look, goggles are off. Oh, no. What's happened? Uh-oh. So collision already. Has he taken them off? <laughs> Maybe it didn't work for him. He's taken his goggles off already. So if you're just joining, you're not, like if you're just joining and you're not listening, Artie Safiya, after about two and a half minutes, has lost the goggles. Mm. They are gone, and are no longer to be seen. Um, when we met him down at Sinclair, I'm sure I noticed just a little bit of um, ouch, a little bit of grey in the beard. Yeah. And I notice he's always very clean shaven when he's on the field. And I wonder if he's a little bit of a, you know, keeping up with the younger guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show a little bit of the grey in the beard. Yeah. I always wonder that. I don't know. Kieran Reid's going. He's got a grey beard. Yeah, but he doesn't care, obviously. No, nah, doesn't. Because he's the captain. No. Do now that was head to head contact. That's not going to be anything. No. Significant because there no. were two heads. That is still something that's gonna that's gonna continue on. I reckon that conversation around head contact. I just I'm I'm I am concerned that that's going to be a a factor for a team at some stage in those last three rounds? I think it will, almost certainly will, because 
when you get the, the big teams playing each other, you get that big contact, you get the big collisions and there's going to be a high contact. It's just, that's just the nature of the game. And uh, it, it's interesting, this high contact thing, because it's really a debate about how much risk is acceptable. And World mm. Rugby's decided that we're going to draw the line. <laughs> what, no, it? no risk. No risk. Because Hooper actually said it, it was the Australian game, was it? Mm. He actually said, are, are we not allowed to run through the line anymore? Is that what you're saying, Ref? Mm. <laughs> you know? And, 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 said, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, I was watching the breakdown on Sky last night and I thought Glenn Jackson made a good point about that, the, the, the referee. He said, um, it was really interesting, he said, look, I've refereed Michael Hooper. He's a great captain, but I think that all the noise that Michael Check has created around the Wallabies has affected his captaincy and he let himself down a little bit. Really? Like with now, those comments? Yeah. No, when he talked to the ref, when he said, yeah, those comments. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you know, like letting yourself down a little bit in New Zealand, that's quite a big insult. <laughs> Although we do, we, we had, the last one of these we did, you know, Case Muse brought up the old uh, Tana Umanga, say, but, you know, we're not playing tiddlywinks here. Oh, ref. yeah. So maybe there's somewhere between those two, we're not playing tiddlywinks and can we please play to run crash tackles. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that Jackson said that, though, because... Check is a dick, eh? Uh, I, I think... Uh, as soon as Australia, <laughs> as soon as Australia I, was down... Get me in trouble here. As I, soon as Australia was down, I tweeted, I wonder how many, um, wonder how many excuses Check is already coming up with for why they're losing. Yeah. I, it, New Zealanders really hate Checker, don't they? They really hate him. I just... I, he is so... I, like, even after the game, it's, he's like a petulant schoolboy. Mm. And I look... Just how he comes across, you know. It's like, man, well, there's no point saying it because, meh, meh, meh. Mm. I don't know. I just, am I being harsh from your 13 years in Australia? Um, I I kind of look at him from a an Australian point of perspective, where that sort of behaviour and conduct is quite commonplace from rugby league coaches. Right, hard on the sleeve, and Australians like that. And Australians may think, yes, he is a bit of a dick, but yeah. he's our dick. Right. You know, so that's why they um, defend him a little bit. Yeah. Although I, I, I do think in the higher echelons of Rugby Australia, um, patience with him isn't what it was. And that, that they are not, not glad that he's going, but the, they'll see it as an opportunity to turn the page when he does go and, um, and create a better and relationship between the Wallabies and World Rugby. Ah, uh, he's got his eyes back on. Has he? Yeah. So what, how did they fall off? I don't know. Maybe they came off. That's not a good sign. Maybe they came off at a previous ruck and he had to go back and get them. Maybe someone ripped them off. Something else to grab, isn't it? Um, it's the, But it is that kind of thing that if you're performing, you will get a lot of grace. I mean, I think about uh, you know classic difficult athletes like your Dennis Rodmans of this world. But he was such a phenomenal rebounder for whatever team he played for in the NBA. You know, there's a lot of grace for his antics. It says to me, if Checker doesn't perform, and he hasn't ever really performed, far less grace for the antics. Yes, and he's had a really, really bad last three years since the last World Cup. Right. Yeah. And I think that um, if you think about, do you remember what happened with the Australian cricket team? Steve Smith. And the tampering of the ball? Yes. Yep. Now, that caused so much outrage in Australia because they hate 
cheating and they hate people being, as they say, pork chops. And I think that that same way that they hated that, some people in Australia look at Czech and go, is this really, is he representing us in the best way possible? No. So, you know, I think... I think Jacob Wars is hard on the sleeve and he's got a lot of good qualities and I think he's got the best interests of Australian rugby at heart. Yeah. But has he handled some setbacks as well as he could have done? And I think no. And the surprising thing is, is he hasn't learned because right. I am sure that they would put him through professional development courses and all the rest of it. But he, he, he can't control his anger, I suppose. Yeah. And he's, he's old enough to know better. But I think they'll go. I think they'll go for an Australian coach. Uh, sorry, a Kiwi coach when he goes. Anyway, I think. Really? They, I think Dave Rennie will get the job. That's interesting. Mm. Oh, Geordie Barrett, Maybe Chip and Chase. Oh, the three brothers. <laughs> where's where's Bodie? Give it to Bodie. Oh. Um, it's interesting when you say he wears his heart on his sleeve. I'm always reminded. I used to do a lot of theatre sports, a lot of stuff on stage back in my 20s. And there are people who kind of go, oh, I'm a loose cannon and I just don't play by the rules. Mm. And, and they say that as a good... One way of saying it is, I'm a loose cannon and I don't play by the rules. The other way of saying that same thing is, I don't give a fuck about anybody else, I only think of myself. Mm. Both is the same attribute said in a different way. Yeah. I wonder the attribute you're talking about with Checker, I wonder if it was said a different way how it would come across. Yeah, I, I take your point. With him as well, um, you have to remember his background. He's a son of um, Le- Lebanese immigrants mm. and he does not fit the model for rugby estab- establishment in Australia, which right. is North Shore, Sydney, yep. private school. Well, He's it's, it's always the, it's the felt... Posh, it's the posh boys, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is. And he has always felt, I think, like he's an outsider in Australian rugby. Right. Um, and he's never felt he's had the backing of the establishment. So, and he also, when he took over that team, he did so when they were at a very, very low ebb and then needed him badly. So he was probably given too much leash yep. to get away with things. Right. Go and solve um, the problem, please. So I think that all of those things have contributed to, you know, what we're seeing now. And, um, yeah, it's – Australia's a funny place. We, we, I think you mentioned Robbie Deans earlier. I was there for when Robbie was getting crucified in Australia yeah. for not being Australian, essentially, for being mm. a Kiwi. And he's mm. coming over here and he's a Trojan horse. He's wrecking Australian <laughs> rugby and all the rest yeah. of it. And it, and I remember in the Lions tour 2013, sitting in the hotel lobby with Robbie in Brisbane before the first test. And this was when he was under immense pressure, taking an imp- causing an impact on his family and everything, mm. I'm sure. It was, just, it was just never ending. And I'll never forget how polite he was to the hotel staff. Right. And it's funny I've remembered that for all the things that happened, all the footy that's been played, that's stayed with me. And I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. is the sign of a class act. Yeah. When um, it, it was all the pressure was on him and he's taking time out and he's an absolute gentleman for somebody who's come to ask about, well, how's your service? And it was a young lady and he stood up and I just was blown away by that. And it's funny what's, what, what stays with you. Um, and that moment absolutely did. 
And that told me so much about Robbie Deans. I wonder, and it's an unanswerable question, but if you put Michael Checker in the same position in that same hotel, I wonder what would be the outcome. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he, every, might be, he might be taking, you know, games over, he goes home, he's, I think and he, he, is. he might be a perfectly think, amicable, kind, generous person. I but, think he is. And, yeah. you know, I think he's a big family man and all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, what the world sees and what he projects is yeah. very different to that. Yeah. Um, we're coming up to the end of the game. After all of that, you are going to be uh, closer to your score. What was my margin? 64 points? What did you say? 70, 70 to 6. You did, didn't you? 64 <laughs> points. I was going on margins now. <laughs> margins, I'm not the, scores. I'm either the either go- way, either I'm way you post a little bit either here. Either way you win. <laughs> um, so we've got Namibia, we've got Italy. What do you expect to say over the next couple of weeks? Uh, a lot of changes for Namibia and then... Uh, the strongest team. Here you go. Uh, Here comes my five Canada. <laughs> oh, still going. Oh, oh smashed. Oh, smashed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot of changes for Namibia. It's a four-day turnaround and then um, right. really back to business for, oh, you're going to get your... Oh, there we go. It's going to be 70 now. Oh, he's tied oh, up. Yeah, look at it. He's, oh, oh, no. <laughs> him and his brother... <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe he has lost some pace. That actually looked. What was that? Yeah. That looked like he was, I don't know, almost thinking, what, he hasn't hurt something. He hasn't pulled a hammy or something. He didn't look to be. He wasn't moving very quick, though, was he? Look for the replay there. I mean, I wonder as well, it'd be interesting if we still had Josh here to say, had his hands on oh, Canada's done. They're like, yeah, that'll do us. Yeah. <laughs> We'd rather take 63 nil than 70 nil. Nice. I mean, I wonder how Hansen responds to that, those balls ups. I wonder if it's just like, you know, roll over, you boys know what you've done wrong, or I wonder if there's a bollocking. I think it's it's perfect for him because he always likes to have something to to point to after the game, go, well, this is where we could do could do better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a replay of that. I guess yeah. I'm going to have to go home and have a look at it there. It's one of the things about the coverage so far, and I'm not having to go at Spark because they don't control it, but I don't think the replays have been very good. It's the international food feed that comes in. I think there's been a lot. There was an issue the other day. Scotty Stevenson was definitely commentating. Was it the Australian game? Yeah, because he was a drop quick quite early on. Sure, and like there was a game playing yeah. in the background and they were showing highlights of the drop kick for like three minutes. Yeah, I know. And it was it was Wales getting close to the Wallabies line as yeah. well, wasn't it? It sounded really exciting when we're watching it. Yeah, and you're seeing replays of drop kicks. All right, well, we're not going to get a replay of that uh, balls up, Bowden balls up. He probably did it on purpose just so his brother wouldn't feel quite so badly. <laughs> But there you go, we're done. Uh, that's 63 nil. that's another uh, Department of Conversation um, Rugby World Cup. AB's watching the AB's. If you joined us late, you missed Josh Iwani. Current All Black, obviously, he's on the roster to head to Japan should anything go down. Um, he was here for the first half, so if you want to get his thoughts and insights, had some interesting things to say, then you can uh, pick up this uh, video feed on YouTube and on Facebook, or you can take the audio feed off iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, and probably because it's so late tonight that it might be up there uh, later on today or, or within, let's say within 24 hours. So that's us. Um, Paul Cully, thank you. My pleasure. Reporter at stuff.co.nz. People want to find out more about you and what you do. What do they do? 
Um, just go to stuff, um, go to the rugby site, and um, there'll be plenty of my stuff there. Cool. And uh, next year, you got any hope for the Highlanders? Um, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. Tony Brown's coming back. Yeah. And I think next year, and then the year after that, when they get Villamoni, Karoy, and Naraki together, um, yeah, I think it's good times coming. I moved to Dunedin at just the right time because it was the season that they won. Yeah. That was, that was when we moved down, so that was perfect. Well, you know, I've got Josh there, Aaron Smith, a couple of exciting guys coming through in the wing. I think it'll be all right. We're back on Friday, which is tomorrow, with artist Dick Frizzell from 11am. So tune in for that one, and then hopefully we'll be back again for the weekend for the um, Namibia game. But Paul Cully from Stuff.co.nz, thanks for coming and hanging out until quarter past one in the morning. Mm. Thank you. And Josh Ioane, who's no longer with us, but a big thanks to him. And obviously he's all wrapped up and he's warm beard now, getting ready for training in about seven or eight hours, whatever he's got to do. Thank you for you, Josh, coming in. And for anyone joining on either now live or in post via audio or video, thank you as well. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hooroo. All right, well, that's us uh, finishing up there with Paul Cully from stuff.co.nz. And a big thank you again to Josh Ioane, who came in for the first half. Uh, made himself available. It was amazing. Um, ABs watching the ABs. We do have another game on Sunday. Uh, still talking to a couple of people to see if they want to come in and do another one with us during Namibia. And uh, apart from that, the other piece of information for you for this week is this Friday at 11 o'clock, um, legendary New Zealand artist Dick Frizzell will be in studio. Uh, Dick has just recently spent some time up in central Otago uh, painting and preparing to paint and with photos and planning, et cetera, et cetera, before he heads home to actually do do the work. And he's coming back to Dunedin to have a show in a local gallery. So with him coming back to Dunedin for that show, he's agreed to pop in and say hello. And uh, we will have Dick Frizzell on Friday morning from 11 a.m. live on Facebook, YouTube, and I just forgot the name of the other video feed, Twitch. There we go. Came back to me in the end. I was thinking Twitcher for some reason, because it's Stitcher for the, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, get us on the audio wherever you've found us, but the three places we are, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and also, of course, iTunes. Feel free to subscribe. Love to have you along. If you're going to watch us or listen to us on YouTube, subscribe and, re- and hit that bell. When you hit that bell, it notifies you when we've got new content up, and uh, we'd love to be involved more with you as you get involved more with us. All right, that's us for another one. Hooroo. Hooroo.